But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or you're just happy to see me? And welcome to 60MW Podcast. I'm Chris and I'm joined by my cuddly friend. It's Mr. Adam Parry. Hello. Oh, no, I can't do it. I was trying to... <laughs> that was <a> epic fail. <laughs> what was oh, that? Oh, God, I was trying to do a, a Roger Rabbit please and I ended up just drooling. Please? Yeah, I tried to get the you old got... um, flappy cheek thing going. It just didn't work at all. I just gonna say you gotta you gotta flap your cheeks, haven't you? You gotta shake and no. give it a please. I can't do it. My cheeks aren't flappy anymore. What's going on? <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, how are you? Terrible. Well I was alright until that massive disappointment. Well no, I say alright. Very I'm... good at accents and stuff, aren't you? Yeah, but you know, when it when it comes to physical cheek manipulation, that's that's my downfall. Uh, well, there yeah. you go. Depends what cheeks you're trying to manipulate, I guess. Oh yeah, if I had to fart a Roger Rabbit impression, I'd be okay. <laughs> anyway, um, you have given away to our lovely listeners uh, why we're here, to, what we're doing tonight, what what what's brought us together, <laughs> and this is a spotlight reflection movie show uh, where we go back to the movies of our childhood and we talk about them. We we haven't watched them for many many years, and we rewatch them with the hope that they are still good. Um, but even when they are sometimes crap, we still have a good old chin wag about them, don't we? So. Yes. I mean, you say spoil. I mean. When they download the podcast, it will have the the poster of said film on it, mate. I don't know, it might do, but it will be called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It, it will, but you know, just you know, try. Uh, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> building up the tension. Yes. Now, believe it or not, I had a little count earlier on. I, I, because uh, I was looking at the film. I still haven't decided what I'm going to talk about in our next show. So that'll be done on the fly. That'll be fun. But I thought. Because I normally just do a little recap of all of the last few films that we've talked about. So, believe it or not, we've talked about 35 films um, since we started doing this three years ago now. We're into our third year. I always get confused with that. Yes, our third season. Third season. I like that. Sounds very posh. (laughs) So, from the top, here we go. So these are the films that we have talked about. If you're new to the show, then please go back and give them a listen. I appreciate that not maybe people aren't going to listen to every single show. I don't understand why, because they're all brilliant. But, you know, some people would prefer to listen to some shows that they like because of the movie, for, you know, for example. Um, so here we go. We've got Biggles, Blue Jean Cop, Beastmaster, Return of the Living Dead, Dark Angel, Creep Show, Class of 1999, The Golden Child, AWOL, Spaceballs, Rawhead Rex, Karate Kid Part 2, Stone Cold, Karate Kid Part 3, Body Bags, Toy Soldiers, The Blob, No Retreat, No Surrender 2, BMX Bandits, Condor Man, Robocop, Big Trouble in Little China, The Crow, Gremlins, Silent Night, Deadly Night, 
every which way but loose, any which way you can. The stuff, critters, starship troopers, commando, home and away, the movie, <laughs> ghost watch, dog soldiers, cannonball run, and now who framed Roger Rabbit. That's not a bad list, is it? That's pretty good. <clears throat> it's weird listening back to it because some of them feel quite fresh in the memory still and it turns out they were fucking ages ago, which is yeah, yeah. a bit worrying and, and Home and Away stands out a bit, but yeah, never mind. It'll be funny. I mean, um, this is just a, a daft idea off the top of my head, but maybe many, many, many years to come, we kind of like, as the list will grow and grow, and maybe when we get to 100 films, we'll go, should we go back to where it all started and re-watch Biggles and see <laughs> what we think of that? <laughs> <Still>. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you're 35 now, aren't we? So you're talking about another another six years' time. So it would have yes, been, it would have been nine years since we watched it. Yeah, you'll yeah, be about so. 75. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, should be, yeah, why not? Um, but anyway, so tonight we are going to focus purely on... I keep saying tonight, obviously, people are going to be thinking with the walking down the road and it's, you know, during the day. It's not tonight, but <laughs> when we record, it's usually in the evening just to give people a little... Pull the curtain back. Um, yeah, we and work for a living. Yes, well, we do. We do. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast during the day. That's mm, no, 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 no. Purely, purely night time. Also, yes, also gives away that we work during the days, which is, oh, what a peek behind the curtain that is. What a pleasure. What a treat. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988, directed by... Robert Zemeckis, starring Bob Hoskins, Christopher Lloyd, Joanna Cassidy, uh, Charles Fleischer. Uh, those are the main cast members. And then you've got uh, other people, some of whom I have never heard of, I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah, I can't think of, of any of the other main actors. There's a, there's a chap here who plays Marvin Acme, and his name is Stubby K. <laughs> that's a great name <laughs> which is a great name um because my wife's name's Kay, so i'm tempted to go up to her now and go, go all right stubby k is short i think uh, she is fairly short but yeah i once said to her um in a jokey kind of way but she she took offense to it she took great offense to it in fact and she brings it up every now and then um that i um once said that she got um Stumpy legs. Um. <laughs> and she took offence. I mean, fucking hell, what a snowflake. <laughs> I know. It's shocking, isn't it? You know, some people have got no sense of humour, haven't they? Um, so, yeah. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, who has got a pretty stellar um, resume of um, directing credits when you look at them. So just, I mean, are, are there any that stand out for you particularly? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I haven't looked. <laughs> so, <laughs> the name, and I know the name, and I'm, I'm sure I'll recognise many a film that he's done. To be honest, but you know, research right. is well, a strong point. Let let me read out some of the highlights. So mm. I think it was his first or one of his first films from 1980, starring Kurt Russell, uh, called Used Cars, which is a, a cracking film. Uh, I'd recommend watching that if you can. Um, but then he did 19, in 1984, Romancing the Stone. Ooh, no doubt you've you've seen that. Yeah, or, yeah, uh, that, heard of that. That should is that on our list? I don't think so. It uh, feels possibly. like it should be. Know. To be fair. 
Mm. Um, and then Back to the Future in 1985. Ah, uh, yes. Never seen Classic. it. Classic. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, you are joking, aren't you? Of course I am. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Just had to check. Um, 1988, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, and then 89-90, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. Uh, 1992, Death Becomes Her. Have you watched that one? Bruce Willis, um, Goldie Horn. Who else is in that? Uh, is it Meryl Streep? But... Hmm? Is Meryl Streep in that one? Meryl Streep, yes. Yeah, no, I've, yes. I've, I've not seen that one. I saw the trailer. I must have been renting quite a lot of videos at the time because I always remember the trailer where she's got... A, does she twist her head or something? Yeah, and she's got a hole in her... St- she yes. got hit by a shotgun. So, yeah, and she got like a hole in her stomach. And, yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing with, with Zemeckis when you get to some of his later films. He's, he always seems to push the boundaries a little bit with his film, you know, with the st- stuff he makes. Um, particularly like Who Framed Roger Rabbit in, being one of them. And then Death Becomes Her, I think at the time, you know, with uh, visual effects and, you know, um, that kind of stuff. It was something that was relatively new. I think CGI, you, you don't, I mean, it was, it was Jurassic Park, really, wasn't it? That yeah. sort of uh, made you actually think, wow, this is something that is pretty amazing. But I think with stuff like that, with Death Becomes Her, there was definitely something in there. And then in, uh, in 1994, Forrest Gump. Do you like Forrest Gump? Um, it's It's fine, I think. I haven't seen it for quite a while, but um, I don't know. It's just one of them films that's just overly sentimental for me, I think. It's it's all right. Yeah. It's never been one of my favorite. It's not one of my favorite Tom Hanks films. I mean, when I watch... I, look, I prefer early Hanks um, than sort of... Is that mid-range Hanks? I'd say. Mid- middle middle Hanks. Mm. I think I was I'm more of a fan of early Hanks than middle Hanks. And... Um, Straight, well, no, well, I don't know. First time I watched it, just when he said life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I just stood there and like, yes, you fucking do, because you get a menu in the box. <laughs> so, but I'm, did you back then? I don't yes, know. absolutely. It was the first thing I said. I was like, you just turn the box over and it tells you what's in, in them, you knobhead. <laughs> well, he was a bit special, isn't he? Yeah, um, old, yeah. old gump. Could, could, you, um, could you make I that think... film now, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's like, it reminds me of that um, conversation they have in Tropic Thunder, isn't it? When uh, I think they're talking about, um, what's his face? Robert Downey Jr.'s character. You know, he's gone full method and whatever. And they have this conversation, you never go full retard. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> um, but anyway. And then in 97, he directed Contact with Jodie Foster. I think Matthew McConaughey's in that as well, which yeah. I've only ever seen once. Didn't really mm. grab me, if I'm honest with you. I think I quite liked it, apart from... Well, I like the... It's one of them, I like the build-up, and then when it actually does what it's going to do, it just kind of flopped a bit, a bit for me. But I, I like the idea of it. I like the build-up of it, but then when it actually happens, it's just a bit... Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 2000... Oh, he did a couple of films in 2000. What Lies Beneath with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. I quite like that. that I've only seen right, it once yeah. or twice. Yeah. Mm. Um, in, and then Cast Away with Tom Hanks. Mm, I've never watched that all in one go. Right. I don't think. Um, yeah, Man on an Island makes friends with a ball. 
Yeah. <laughs> one volume. <you're> like, <laughs> I should have put that on the on the video packet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was just more about they. Oh look, Tom Hanks has lost loads of weight. Ooh, method acting, etc. Yeah, it's all right. I think. Yeah, I think I've only ever seen it once. It's one of those. Oh, the main thing I remember about that was um, Tom Hanks. I think he was promoting Toy Story Two, and at the premiere, he got a big bushy beard, and he, he looked really gaunt. Um, so that's kind of my memory of Castaway. Um, Let me guess. Then, going, so this is Tom Hanks has got AIDS or something. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did the same with um, um, Keanu Reeves, didn't they? In the Matrix, when he turned up looking all gaunt and thin and bald, everyone's like, oh, he's got AIDS or or another horrible disease. Thought, no, he yes. just shaved himself for the Matrix. Yes, yes. Um, and then this is what I was saying that he, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit, you know, pushing the boundaries with regards to the films that he was making. So he directed in two thousand and four, The Polar Express. Which I've never seen, um, but again, Tom Hanks, and it's one of those things where the people say all oh, the animations awesome, all the CG, whatever you want to call it, but they have got dead eyes and they don't yes. look real, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, very much, very much a film of weird dolls. Yeah, yeah, it looks quite um, nice. It's a bit boring, but yeah, the eyes, the eyes, they just didn't quite get it right. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2007, carried on with the, the exploration of uh, CG movies or whatever uh, with Beowulf, with Ray Winston. Have you ever seen that one? Um, I've seen bits of it. It never, I don't know why, it never appealed to me. It might have something to do with we were forced to read Beowulf when I was in school, but I don't mind it. But I just, no, I never fancied the film. I don't know why. Hmm. I think it's got um, Angelina Jolie in it as well as a um, a sexy sort of siren type character, and mm. um, yeah, I saw that at the cinema. I thought it was all right, but I, I'm I, don't, I can't remember if you see a, a CG Ray Winston's cock or his arse or something. I'm sure mm. that there's a bit in it where you see his, his bits, <laughs> which I could do with <laughs> just that during too. that phase, weren't they, where they were trying to make CG as real as possible? Yeah. I think I'd already been burnt by, uh, what was it, Final Fantasy Advent Children or whatever it was. Oh, yes, Not yes. Advent or the, spir- was was it the Spirits Children? Within Spirit- or something? Spirits Within, yeah. The Advent Children was the, the other one, weren't it? Yeah, that was dull. Um, yeah. I think I was yeah. rebelling against CG at the time because I didn't realise that that's what films would end up as anyway. Yeah, uh, and then A Christmas Carol, again, the CG fest. Um, but then in 2012, you uh, went back to traditional film, shall we call it, uh, with Flight with Denzel, Denzel Washington, which I've not seen, I'll be honest. No, not seen uh, that. No, you seen that one? Nope, never. No, no. Um, and then he did The Walk, which... Um, is based on, on in 2015, which is based on the the guy that uh, crossed the the twin towers in America by by sort of tightrope. Um, I saw the documentary, which was amazing, uh, but I've not seen this. No, I've seen yeah, I've seen the documentary. I've not seen the film. Was it man? What's what's the documentary called? Was man, it man on wire. On, man yeah, on wire. Yeah. That was it. I was yeah. going to say man on a rope. Jesus. <laughs> Again, you know, so it describes what it is, but still. Um, and then a couple of films I've not seen, so I don't know. But then he did, in 2020, the remake of The Witches, which I have seen, which is not as good as, or not as scary as the original. Um don't know if you've bothered with that one. No, and I, I really like the original Witches as well. I, I did hear they were remaking it, and I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. And then, 
I didn't even know this. This I don't know if this this is on Disney Plus. I think uh, it, it's Pinocchio. Sort of. Oh, that's like getting a, bad reviews, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got Tom Hanks Tom. in it as well. There's <laughs> yeah. Geppetto. Yeah, late stage Hanks apparently isn't doing too well either. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that's getting panned, and uh, I'm I'm not a fan of Disney. To be honest, remaking all their animated films, I don't see. I haven't seen one and seen any kind of point in doing it apart from we just try and make more money yeah I, i'm the same i'll be honest with you but uh but there you go so that you know and he's obviously collaborated a lot with uh, steven spielberg um and you know whether he's either been a producer produ- producer <laughs> produce uh, oh, fuck my producer <laughs> Um, or, or you know they've worked together in different ways. So, and I think that's you can see that with with a lot of his films. I mean, St- Spielberg has you know been accused in the past of of making sometimes schmaltzy films, mm. um, which you know. So I suppose that uh, you know, but there's some good pedigree there. There's some good movies, uh, you know, in his back catalogue. So yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But... Yep, yeah, and then um, as I said, starring Bob Hoskins. Um, who again has made some good films? Christopher Lloyd, who you know you remember from uh, obviously you know Back to the Future. That's mm. that's the film I guess you generally remember Christopher Lloyd for. Yeah. Uh, unless you've got anything else that you remember him from. I was about to ask you what else has he been in because I can't. I don't think I can't think of anything else that he's. I must have seen something, but I can't think of anything. He was in uh, the Adams Family movies. Oh, of course he was. Uh, he he played was um, Uncle, Uncle the... Fester. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true, true. Underrated films, I think. I think. I haven't seen them for years, but I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're not yeah. bad. Yeah, um, and then he was in Piranha 3D as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think he popped up in that. I'm sure he popped up in Eight Legged Freaks as well. Um, yeah. And uh, then he's. What else was he? Oh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was in that as well. Um, so, yeah, he's got. I mean, he's got over 240 credits on his, you know. IMDb. So. Yeah, he's just one of them, isn't he? He's just going to be always known for one character above all, which would, which would be yeah. Doc, obviously. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then also, I mean, I didn't recognise... I recognised her, and I thought, oh, I know her from somewhere. And I don't know if it's because it's her costume, the way that she looks, but uh, Joanna Cassidy, who plays Dolores, um, and I was like, what the fuck do I recognise her? And she's she was Zora in Blade Runner. She looks a world away from this. It's like five years. Well, probably not in five years because um, that was 1982. So I think mm. this this was started production in 1987, sort of like, late 86. It started production in about 1972. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. So, I know, but she was like, she, you know, you, you remember you remember in Blade Runner, she gets yeah. a bit so she's the one that goes fl- flying through the the glass, um, you know, the, when Deckard shoots her. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, she's in it, plays Dolores. Um, and like I said, that's about it, really, for, I suppose, for the main recurring cast members. Um, now, on uh, IMDb, which I've just lost, bear with me. Sorry, I've just got pictures of... <laughs> Zora with her tits out. I think uh, I recognise Alan Tilvan on the on the uh, on the IMDb one. Who played uh, RK Maroon? But it, I, I'm saying I think it, but it's just obviously him with a handlebar moustache. Like it, to be honest, it could be anyone with a handlebar moustache. But I'm so sure I recognise him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this um, was 
it released in 1988. Uh, it's an hour and 44 minutes long. It's got a 7.7 out of 10 rating on IMDb out of 210,000 ratings, uh, which isn't bad. No. Now, this... Um, what from what I've read and I've watched a few little documentaries about the making of sounded like an absolute fucking nightmare to make. <laughs> yeah. I watched both um, the things you sent in the document as well, the little five minute one and that 38 minute one. Yes. It sounds like a, I mean, fair play. I mean, I mean, there's a challenge and then there's a challenge and this sounded like a challenge. Yeah. So it's, well, first of all, before we get into that, do you want to explain, sort of uh, tell everyone about your memories and why you picked this film. Should point out this was your pick and then the next film will be my pick. Yeah. Um, Now, I can't remember where I first heard of it. It may have been a trailer attached to another film, but I don't know what. All I remember is going to the cinema with my mum and her friend uh, to watch this. And I think I expected a bit more... um, I don't know, because I was big on like... Looney Tunes cartoons at the time. I've always been a Looney Tunes cartoon person rather than a Disney cartoon. As yes. far as like shorts go, because they're just funnier. And I, I think I, I don't think I understood because I was only nine. Like there's actually like a like a proper film noir in here, and I, di- I didn't know that at the time. So it wasn't probably wasn't quite as wacky as I was expecting. Um, but I liked it, and I and I've got it on video. Uh, on VHS when it came out of VHS. I can't remember who bought me that. It might have been my nan, possibly, for a birthday or a Christmas. Um, yeah, so it was, I, I had it in my collection. Um, never bought it on DVD or anything either. It's one of those films, it it just popped into my head, because it wasn't on the list, I don't think. It just popped into my head and I thought, shit, when was the last time I watched that? And I probably haven't watched it. I don't think I've watched it since I was out of my teens anyway. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it for... God, it's got to be, it's got to be at, at least twenty plus, at least twenty plus years. I haven't seen it definitely, mm-hmm. and I've mm-hmm. just always had that feeling that do you know what? I think it's actually a decent. There's actually a, a well-made film noir in here, but with uh, obviously with cartoons involved, and I've and I've always appreciated the the craft behind it, but I thought about time we watched it again as a as a proper adult, you know. Mm. That adult stage, you know, after I've grown hair and before I start shitting myself. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, similar to you, actually, I, I was twelve though when it came out at the cinema, and I watched it at the cinema. I remember my my mum taking me to watch it, and the uh, one weird thing about it is, I remember we caught the bus back to my nan's house, and um, we stopped and got some chips on the way home, and it's such a weird memory because <laughs> the, the thing I'm very similar to you in respect of the film, in as much as that. I remember bits of it, but I don't. I never. I didn't remember the story at all. I mm. didn't. I, and um, so you know, I remember the obviously the animation, Bob Hoskins and the Benny the Taxi. Um, but even Christopher Lloyd's character, I didn't remember a great deal about him. I remember sort of like bits of it, like the dip and whatever, and uh, obviously Jessica Rabbit, which you know has become uh, a, a huge thing for people, uh, which I guess we'll talk about in a bit, but. Yeah, I didn't remember a massive amount about it at all, and I've not seen it since. I think, and I was twelve when I watched it. I was probably about twelve when I last rewatched. It. And that's the thing about this film, isn't it? They think that because I have like fond memories of it, 
But then why didn't I watch it again? Yeah, it seems to it seems to be one of those films that's just kind of got a little bit lost in, in Which, history somewhere. Considering how, I mean, really groundbreaking it was, I suppose. Mm. Um, and there, there had been movies that mixed live action and animation before, but not to this scale, I don't think. No. Um, so, you know, if you look at the likes of Mary Poppins um, being one of the, them and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Pete's Dragon, stuff like that. But the the one thing, and I'm perhaps jumping ahead a little bit too much, but, but the one thing where this film succeeds, where those perhaps, you know, they were convincing for the time, but this actually feels that they are, they, it brings them to life. And I think that is in part to the performance, you know, by particularly Bob, by Bob Hoskins. Yeah. But it did, it does feel like they're actually there because of their they're actually interacting with real things as well I think that's the difference isn't it that those other ones i don't remember them interacting with anything it was more like the the actor was kind of like i suppose pretending to act against something that wasn't there yeah it's like the these... other way round wasn't it it was like there because i mean I've, I've never seen mary poppins and i never intend to uh, <laughs> I've never well, seen, I've seen it once Pete's... and I was yeah. hung over so and I couldn't be bothered to change the channel that's my excuse yeah. I've never seen Pete's Dragon but I did I did uh, I did have bed knobs and broomsticks on tape uh, which I taped off the telly <clears throat> so that that might have had something to do with me wanting to see this the the mix the mix of the two but generally that was sort of people when the when the cartoons were there it was the people in the cartoon world all the time yeah whereas this is the, the opposite way around I mean I've obviously Bedknobs and broomsticks. It's always funny when an elderly woman tells a small child to get his knob out of his pocket and give it a good rub. But um... <laughs> we need more of that in films. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> but yeah, no, I think yeah, that could have something to do with it. But yeah, this this is different level. I mean, the interaction. I mean, watching the, watching those little um, that little behind the scenes thing that you sent the, the 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 work put in just to get the world to react to things that weren't there is baffling just when it, you think it really now is. it'd just be like well, oh, just do it in a computer yeah and that's the thing so i mean there's been some more modern versions of, of things like i've watched one with uh my kids uh and that's a, sort of a looney tunes it's got brendan fraser in it which um what's it called back in action or something like that i'll mm. find out oh cool world now i never oh, yeah. watched that but that came out in 1992 and that got kim Basinger as the sort of femme fatale, which yeah. I've never watched it, but I always got no. the feeling that that was kind of trying to like ape and copy uh, Who Framed Ooh. Roger Rabbit. Oh, um, I remember. I remember. Did you watch that? Christopher Lloyd was in. Go on. Do you ever? Do you ever play Toonstruck? Toonstruck. Yeah, it was a point-and-click adventure on the PC. No, no. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd was the main character. So you played a person going into like a uh, an animated world. And Christopher Lloyd was like your guy brush who you control. And I only remember oh, one bit, no the world goes wrong. And at some point there's a cow who's sort of stapled to a wooden post dressed in S&M gear. Okay. <laughs> That's all I remember. I, wow, no, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and and yeah, so Looney Tunes back in action. But again, the difference being that that's like CG animation. Whereas the thing about Who Framed Roger Rabbit was that it was all hand drawn. Mm. You know, so and they they had to painstakingly draw everything, and had to do at least two takes of the shot that they were filming. One with 
pretend rabbit. Um, so at least Bob Hoskins had got something to reference, you know, against, and then one without, um, so that they, he could, you know, the rabbit could be added afterwards. And watching those little, I mean, you can go to YouTube. And I just typed in, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit making of or back behind the scenes or whatever. And there's even more than I watched, but it is absolutely amazing. The stuff that they did in terms of the puppeteering, the way that they made the sets um, so that you got puppeteers above and below them moving things. And then you got um, robots and I love seeing the little robots, like particularly with one of the videos, they showed how Baby Herman was like cigar moved because it was a real cigar, but Baby Herman's obviously a cartoon. Yeah, they made a robot just just to move a cigar. I know, the guy got like, he got like an exosuit kind of thing on that you'd seen in Elysium or whatever, and he's like moving his hand around and it's moving the cigar and you're thinking, God, that's amazing. You know, the ingenuity that they'd got to actually, to make a, a film about a cartoon characters, you know, being in a real world is just, you know, you're thinking, well, God, you could use that for keyhole surgery or something, or just <laughs> something ridiculous. <laughs> Not to make a stupid fucking film, yeah. but no, it really is. I mean, the the work. I mean, it was what two years uh, yeah. or so. I think that they said that this was because of the, the animation and how expensive it was as well. Um, and you know, there were concerns at the time that. The, the, you know, it's costing a huge amount of money to make uh, for the time. Again, sort of like going $40 million, which was ridiculous amounts of money. You're thinking yeah. like, I suppose, comparing it to now, it's like Titanic levels of, you know, money or something stupid. But it paid off because this was one of the, you know, the big box office blockbusters of the time. Huge, huge hit. Um, but again, looking at the money, you know, what it made, it doesn't sound a lot now because that's what, you know, a Marvel movie makes in a couple of weekends or something ridiculous, yeah. you know, sort of 300 million worldwide or whatever. But for them, that was a huge, huge big deal. Um, interestingly, though, there's been ne- never been a sequel. There's been talk of it, but there's never, ever been a sequel, which, I again... Don't, I don't think it would work because they would go the computer route, wouldn't they? And I think, I think it's like they said, that this is a one-off film. It's when they had the ambition and the technology technology to make it how they did but they didn't have the technology to make it how they could now mm. so it's just like fuck it let's just it's 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 almost like let's just make something where everything's practical yeah essentially they would just wouldn't do it now and they couldn't do it beforehand so it, it really is like a one-off this is like the pinnacle that this could be in the way that we're doing it because technology is changing, so we're never going to get a chance to do this again. Almost, it's it's, it's yeah, the the work put in staggering. It it really is a labor. It must have been a labor of love. And I mean, one of the, those videos says that some of the animators were working up to twenty hours a day, which is <laughs> yeah. fucking talking about you know video games and crunches. Jesus, yeah. fucking bunch of winders don't even know what crunches do they? <laughs> twenty hour days and someone shouting at you when you've got a year left. Going draw faster. Yes. I know, absolutely madness. But, uh, you know, so, but that's the thing, and we'll get that to that once we've, I suppose, get to the end of the, the show, is do do you, well, so the question I'll ask you now, which I'll, get, I'll give you some time to think about, is that mm. is it, a, is it a, a, an amazing film, you know, on all levels, or is it more of a technical, on a technical level, it's amazing, but the film is a bit ho-hum. So we'll, we'll okay. kind of answer those questions at the end. So I don't want you to talk about it now. Yeah. Um, so 
I like to play my little quiz for you. Oh, no. So oh, um, no. we're doing, from 1988, we're going to be doing the highest grossing films uh, because Who Framed Roger Rabbit was one of the highest grossing films in America. Um, I'm just going with American audiences because okay. it's just easier. At well, this I point should get time. that from the clue, really, shouldn't I? Yeah. So number 10, I'll give you a few clues. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, grossed $73 million at the box office and stars Michael Keaton. Ooh, uh, well, Batman. That, that was 1989. Yeah, um, Michael Keaton before Batman. Before... Tim Burton, so... Oh, really? Uh, ooh. Winona Ryder. Oh, uh, Beetlejuice. Yes. yes, well done. Uh, at number nine, uh, with $78 million, uh, Tom Cruise... Tom Cruise did well in 1988. Uh, but yeah, Tom Cruise and, um, oh, what's his name? Brian Brown. Brian Brown? I think it's Brian Brown. I don't know who directed <laughs> this one, but he likes to shake it about a bit. Uh, oh, shit. Not, that's not Cocktail, is it? It is Cocktail. Oh, well okay. done. There right. you go. I'm, I'm, I'm doing sort of well. Carry on. Yes. I've only ever seen Cocktail once, so... Um, yeah. uh, but there you are. Anyway, number eight with mm. $78 million, just slightly more than Cocktail. And this is an adaptation of a short-lived comedy TV show. If I tell you the main actor, you'll know straight away. A short-lived TV show? Um, comedy. Comedy, yeah. Comedy. Um, oh, oh, it's not... Um, oh, it's... Um, oh, uh, shit. It's got Priscilla Presley in it. Nice oh, beaver. Naked gun. Yes. yes. Well done. Um, number seven with $83 million. Um, set at Christmas. Always debated whether it's a Christmas movie or not. Uh, die Hard. Yes. With $109 million. This Ooh. one's a bit of a surprise, I must admit. Uh, it's the sequel to a film where a man... <laughs> says you call that a knife this is a knife oh, crocodile dundee too yes i'm surprised about that one i always thought that, that one flopped but okay uh number five with 111 million dollars it's got um an odd couple one short and fat one tall and muscular twins yes uh number four with 114 million dollars uh tom hanks <laughs> That's give you more of a clue. Uh, reverts back to oh, his... uh, the big, yes, uh, which I've never seen. Believe Maybe it or not. not. Uh, number three, hundred twenty-eight million dollars. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop two. No, Beverly Hills Cop one. No, another forty-eight hours. <laughs> He's a oh, coming to king. America. Yes, there you are. Um, and number two, I, you already know because I've told you, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Number one, again, surprising. Didn't realise this was such a smash hit with $172 million, another Tom Cruise film. Ooh, uh, in the same year. Where he's looking after a special person. Looking after a special person. Looking after a special person. Looking after a special... Splat, no, not splash. Fucking splash. <laughs> What's your special? She had fish, fish legs. Um, 
Looking after a special person. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Looking after a special person. Oh, this is going to bug me. They've got he, to tell me. Uh, he's very good at counting. Rain Man. Yes. You said Tom Hanks and you meant Tom Cruise, you knob. Bollocks. Sorry. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> Giving you duff clues here. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I want Tom Hanks in the Mission Impossible films. Yes. That, that I did say that Tom Cruise had a good year because he got two films in the top well, ten. Well, I know that, but then you said Tom Hanks. I know, because I'm an idiot. I'm not going to edit it out either. <laughs> um, there you are. Right, now, mm. do you have a synopsis for uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Y- yes, I'm just going... Oh, we didn't do Metacritic, did we? Um, I'll get there. Oh, I, oh, I can't remember the order. Uh, Metacritic. Metacritic. Uh, right, the synopsis is very, very short, but it is thus... A toon-hating detective is a cartoon rabbit's only hope to prove his innocence when he is accused of murder. Mm, very good. Okay. And, yes, so, Metacritic, you've mentioned... Now, this has got a rating. It's probably one of the highest that we've ever talked about. Um, of 83, and that's based on 15 critic reviews. I thought there'd be more than that, to be fair. But, yeah. hey-ho. Um... There's 10 positive, four mixed, and one negative. So do you want to do one of the positive ones? Yeah. I was going to say, you probably got fewer critic reviews back in the day because there's just less things to read. Yeah, you know, mm. like newspapers and magazines, that was it. Whereas now it's like, oh, it's got a Metacritic from 14,000 film review sites. Yeah, uh, but I thought there'd be like, um, like Empire or Total Film or something, doing a, like maybe a retrospective. I don't know. I don't know if this has ever been reissued or... You know, but still. Yeah, anyway. Ooh, there's a lot of a hundreds. Yeah. There's a lot of hundreds. Perfect film. Yeah. Who should we go for? Mm. In fact, all of them are perfect. All of the all of the positive ones are a hundred, <laughs> aren't true, they? That's true, yeah. <laughs> and then it, and then it just drops off. Drop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay, this one, because it's entertaining, because he cocks his score up in the first sentence. This is from USA Today, Mike Clark. He's given it 100, and his first sentence, <laughs> it isn't flawless, but neither is Fantasia. Ugh. So if it's not flawless, you can't give it 100, you dick. But anyway, mm. he's put, here's a live-action stro-dash animated Marvel with no screen... Ad- what the fuck does that say? And antecedent? Antecedent? What does that so. mean? Chinatown may actually come closest. What? Don't, what the fuck is that's no I don't know I've never seen that word <laughs> um, alright so I'm going to go here with uh, TV Guide magazine staff not credited oh my favourite while I know while flawlessly delivered it's overkill so loud and excessive it makes our head swim it's like a sumptuous bank- banquet com- composed entirely of fast food fills you up but entirely forgettable Interesting. That's a bizarre one. We got one a, more. a sumptuous banquet wouldn't be fast food for a start. No. Yeah. Oh, it's so loud. It's so loud. Hmm. Oh, we've got, we have got one low one, haven't we? <laughs> you got to do the low one. Do the low one. Stanley Kaufman of the New Republic gave it 20. Um, and his review says, The plot, the gags, the action are so stupid and strident, so unfunnily parodic that the film's only interest is in wondering how they 
did it oh sorry is wondering how they did it mix of animation and live action hmm god that's a bit harsh isn't it yeah it's a bit harsh um should also point out that this has got a score by alan silvestri which i don't I, i don't follow sort of like composers of you know, I know the big ones like, you know, but and Alan Silvestri still going doing a lot of the Marvel movies, the Avengers late, like, uh, lately. Oh, score. Well. That's, sorry, I thought you meant like a Metacritic score there for a second. Oh, no, no. Sorry. When I was just talking I, about the, the, I know some the, the of the sc- famous ones. I was going to say, oh, like Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, if you have heard or if you've watched certain famous films, you tend to pick out who the you know, who composes the music, like Danny Elfman, John Williams, those kind of people. And Alan Silvestri is one of those people. Who was the other one that did um, Commando? Because it was always his steel drums. He did, that was what he was famous for. He was always famous for his steel drums. Anyway, Alan Silvestri, could you hear in the music uh, and the score of this film things that are from other films that you could potentially compare them to? Oh... So I'll give you one. It's from uh, 1987 with Schwarzenegger. Uh, ooh. 87? What was 87? Schwarzenegger. So before Twins. Before Twins, there was... Get to uh, the chopper. Oh, Predator. Yeah. So if you listen to... I mean, you may... I don't know if you've watched Predator lately, but if you listen to Predator, the, like, you know, the... Um, or even if you go to YouTube and put you know, Predator score and then put do Who Framed Roger Rabbit score. Mm. There's certain, I mean, and then also um, Back to the Future. There's so, it's almost like, you know, so many similarities to a lot of the score. I don't know, it's just something I kind of, maybe it's just me, I pick it out or listen I can, to it. But I can anyway. see the Back to the Future and I'm, I'm just running through some of the Predator music in my head beyond the initial sort of dun 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 Yeah. But then when it expands into the orchestral thing, now I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's there, yeah. definitely. Um, anyway, right, mm-hmm. so shall we uh, have a listen to the trailer? Have you listened and watched, well, you watched the trailer, but d- did you watch the trailer I put in the link? Uh, I, I, I did not watch the trailer. <laughs> it's like three minutes long. Is it? Fucking hell. And also, it's pretty much the opening cartoon um, from the film. It's yeah, it's three minutes and eight seconds long, and it is includes a hell of a lot of the opening cartoon. Do you think it possibly was all they had finished at the time when they released the trailer? Mm, maybe, possibly. Like, yeah, good point. We've done the opening cartoon, and we've we've got a couple of shots we can stick in there which have actually finished. Everything else, we've still got thirty people sweating trying yes. to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there'd definitely be complaints. There'd be, you know, people com- going to the unions and complaining about crunch times and stuff if it was made these days. It's like, can't treat people like that. Well, no, these days just be, oh, we'll just have our Intel Pentium chip to do all the work instead. Or whatever <laughs> Intel chips are called these days. True, true. Anyway, well, mm. since you, you didn't watch it, but you'll be, get, Sorry. be able to listen to it. I watched the now. other things then, for, just forgot to watch the trailer. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, So here is the trailer for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mommy's going to the beauty parlor, darling. But I'm leaving you with your favorite friend, Roger. He's going to take very, very good care of you. Because if he doesn't, he's going back to the science lab. Ah! 
I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. Tunes. Gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tomb! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? So, right, let's get into it. Let's dig into the film and um, talk about it in a bit of detail and yes. um, things that we enjoyed about it, things that we may not have enjoyed about it. Um, now, before we do that, how many pages of notes have you written? Now, this baffles me somewhat because I'm sure if I, if I go back to like the Cannonball run, I did like 10 and a half pages. Um, go back to Dog Soldiers. Again, it was like 10 and a half pages. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Seven. Ah, okay. That's not a surprise, actually, because it's a fairly visual film, isn't it? So That's true. That is true. It's hard to, I suppose, go into a massive amount of detail about um, certain things because, you know, it's I've just written car chase <laughs> <laughs> and things like that because, you know, what more can you write? Um, Bar but, scene. Uh, no. Um, well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, so I've watched this film twice, believe it or not. I watched mm -hmm. it once with the kids um, a, a week or two ago because I knew we were going to be recording it. And I wanted to watch it, but I didn't want to sit there and make notes whilst I was watching it with the kids. So we watched it and um, then I re-watched it again. I finished it off today, actually. Uh, so it was one of those, though, that I then got time to actually write the notes up. So I typed it as I was watching it. So sorry. That's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you. I'm starting to get over it now, I think. So, yeah, I have um, 
three pages on a Word document, and it's 1,494 words. Which doesn't sound a lot, I'll be honest with you. Just don't expect me to actually, you know, I've got a page count. Please don't ask me to word count it as well. I mean, I will. If you really want to, I will, because I'm weird. But I'd rather you didn't. No, 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 that's fine. Don't worry about it. So um, anyway, like I said, the the opening is a cartoon and Mm -hmm. it is your classic Looney Tunes style cartoon, I suppose, isn't it? Although it's sort of, it looks a little bit like, do you remember like Tom and Jerry cartoons? Yeah. Because you got like the uh, you got Baby Herman uh, and then the mom you you only see from like her calves to or calves hi to Alan by the way <laughs> calves uh, cat well that's what Americans say they don't say calves do they because they're not posh like us they say calves Ca- um, which a calf calves. to us is somewhere yeah. you go for a bacon sandwich <laughs> yeah but they'll say you go to the they'll calf. say a calf is a baby cow. Yeah, there's got to be something in between. Quite yeah. off. Um, yes. Um, so yeah, you see, uh, th- and that was typical, wasn't it, of those type of cartoons? You'd, mm-hmm. you'd only, you wouldn't see the sort of like the body or the face of the the humans. You'd just see like their feet and their yeah. legs. Um, and she's uh, saying to Roger that you you're going to be looking after baby Herman, and if you if you don't, you'll be going back to what was it, the the laboratory or something yeah, like back that. Back to the lab. I mean, as far as parenting goes, it's pretty irresponsible to leave your small baby and with with a with a madcap rabbit as a babysitter. You know, I think she should probably be. You know, social services should be phoning her and saying, "You need to have a word about your uh, your childcare situation, Mrs. Calf." It's uh, it's not <laughs> right. Mrs. Calf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So then there's all sorts of shenanigans happen, which, again, I mean, they wouldn't have known about this because it didn't come out until later on. But um, the, the the likes of um, Itchy and Scratchy, although there's not no blood, but there's there's all sorts of horrible things like being, you know, happening um, with knives and things being aimed at him. And yeah. knives, uh, ovens, electricity, yeah. everything yeah, like, like you get in an old cartoon, which which. I don't know if they'd cut them now. Or they just don't show them anymore, actually, do they, on television? But I don't know if they'd cut them. So, you, like, your old Looney Tunes cartoons now would last about 35 seconds if you cut all the stuff that was inappropriate out. Yeah, that's a good, actually, good point, I guess. Because, um, you know, like Saturday morning cartoons and, and also cartoons that you'd have when you were off school, you know. Um, they'd show them sort of in the mornings and on BBC One or ITV sometimes or whatever. But... Now, I mean, with the advent of children's TV, like it's on 24-7, you know, there are TV channels which just have, you know, children's TV, Cartoon Network, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, these kind of watching these always felt like a bit of a, not adventure, that's the wrong word I'm looking for, or bonus is the wrong word I'm looking for as well. It was just like a bit of a treat, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's nothing educational about them, it was just entertainment. Whereas everything now is, oh, we've got to have a half-hour program where we make lots of random noises, but apparently that teaches your child how to speak or you know, put colours up because it relaxes them. The little fuckers don't know how lucky they are to have entertainment at their fingertips 24 hours a day. We used to get, like, what? You might get a Popeye cartoon or a Looney Tunes cartoon at, like, six in the morning and nothing. Yeah. Nothing till, like, half past three or quarter to four. And then it was only on for an hour before... 
either the news or an Australian soap. Yeah, and and that was it. So, and then it, I think it was either on Saturdays or Sundays. But what? Oh, what was it? The one that we shouldn't really mention him, but still, Rolf Harris did. <laughs> he did on Saturday um, morning, did he? I know he had. Oh, no, he, huh? he, oh um, shit! Yeah, no, he did. Uh, Rolf's Cartoon Club was on uh, ITV, but there was that what? Yeah, Cartoon Time that I think was on an early like, maybe like Sunday before last of the summer wine and songs of praise and stuff. Maybe like yeah. lunchtime on a Sunday where he'd he'd draw, wouldn't he? Draw a picture of someone and then you'd watch that scene. You'd watch the cartoon that that scene was out of. And I think they showed three cartoons. Uh, That's episode. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was on BBC One. And that was, yeah. again, that was like a nice tea time treat because, yeah. you know, you get to watch him, you know, and that was his, his catchphrase was, you know, can you guess what it is yet? And, what you know, because he'd be drawing something and then you'd actually watch that cartoon. And that was cool. Yeah. Um, but again, we never really, I suppose in this country, we never really got to see lots of these cartoons. Not that I remember anyway, you know. Um, so particularly, like, I suppose, the Looney Tunes. Like Bugs Bunny, I remember watching, and Wiley Coyote, and uh, Roadrunner, those well, kinds of things. I, to, I remember I watching... Um, I used to rent, when I, when I was like small, small, um, if, I, if I got to choose a video from the, from the video shop when I was like six... Quite often, it was like a you'd get some compilation videos of you, uh, uh, Looney Tunes stuff. So, yeah, a lot of Bugs, Daffy, Marvin the Martian, Roadrunner, always a favourite. Um, and then they had the odd Tom and Jerry one and stuff as well. That that's that's where I saw most of them. In fact, I do own on DVD now. I've got I do have the Looney Tunes Golden Collection, which is about twelve DVDs, about three hundred Looney Tunes cartoons. Wow, I've never cool. watched it. I just bought it because I wanted to own it as much as anything. I never got around to watching them. Yeah, I did the same with the Pink Panther show because that was something that I used to watch at my oh, nan's house. Was yeah. you know, the Pink Panther? Yeah, yeah. I that. and 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 um, I, I seem to remember that they'd have um, like the Wacky Races and then Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Yeah. You know, catch that catch that pigeon as well. That was on. Stop the pigeon, stop yeah. the pit, or something like that. Stop the pigeon now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Anyway. Yeah, like you said, kids are spoiled now, fuckers. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was all I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make was that in a roundabout way that kids are spoiled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's all sorts of shenanigans happening and it then ends with him getting a fridge dropped on his head. Yeah. And this is where it starts to then transition into real life and you see that Baby Herman's actually voiced by an old man who's got a really gruff voice. I still um, think... the director... That- the shot when mm. they open the fridge and it pans out from the fridge and it turns to it. I still think that's a genius. That's a genius transition. It is. It's very, very clever. Yeah. And yeah. I was flab. I, I distinctly remember being like blown away in the cinema there because it was like, <gasps> there's like ham and there's like a, a leg, leg of ham and a block of cheese or butter in the fridge. And it looks like they're in a car made out of cartoon stuff, but it's actually real. They've made a prop mm. that looks like a... It blew my, blew my mind when I was like nine. Yeah. But yeah. It is. It Herman, is. pervert. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool. I, and then, so the, the producer or the director who's making it is, is actually Joel Silver, the producer who produced loads of movies like the Matrix movies and all sorts. And... Um, is annoyed because Roger can't do the take. You know, he's yeah. supposed to have stars going around his head, but actually he's got birds. And I think that thing where he actually uh, he, he picks up a bird and he throws it on the floor <laughs> again. That was that was another like holy shit moment. You yeah. know, and it's the nice little splat that the bird makes when he gets slammed onto the floor. 
it's it's really cool. I mean, you know, that's a vegan undeniably. Oh yes, vegan alert, hundred percent. Um, but you know, it is very very cool. Um, and then, like you said, that just seeing those cartoons interacting with the humans, um, and because like Roger's pleading for, to, to to try and do it again. Uh, and it's the first time you, you see Bob Hoskins, who's drinking yeah. and watching and th- has disdain for the tunes, doesn't like them at all. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, Herman, though, when he, when he, when he goes, excuse me, touch, as he, as he leaves the scene, he doesn't, he sort of walks underneath her skirt, definitely has a crafty look up there as well. Oh, he does. He's a dirty old perv. Yeah, definitely, definitely goes to look for Minge. Oh, he's got an amazing line early, later on, which you know, we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly which one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Hoskins, he puts his drink in his holster and you find out that it's Hollywood, 1947. And um, Eddie then goes into the office of R.K. Maroon, who's busy making cartoons with his um, editor or whatever. Um and he's basically saying that Roger can't remember his lines because his wife is allegedly cheating on him. Yeah, there's yeah. like news headlines of this going on. Yeah, he wants he wants he wants to he wants to employ Eddie to basically take some pictures of Jessica cheating, so he so he can show them to him and and in, somehow that will get his head back in the game. Because he's complaining because they're twenty five thousand dollars over budget for the latest cartoon, twenty five grand on one cartoon in nineteen forty seven. Wow! And uh, Valiant wants one hundred dollars to do it, and he's like blown away that Eddie wants so much money. I was like, a hundred dollars? You're arguing over a hundred dollars, but you're twenty five grand over budget. Hmm. I thought that, that doesn't yeah. make much financial sense, but yeah. Um... And so, yeah, that that's it. That sets it all up. And then Eddie's outside. He's he's got a drink problem. That's fair to say because he's always <laughs> you couldn't see that much drinking slurping in a down the, the booze. These days. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so and and then he's watching outside. There's, there's chaos just going on this this lot, isn't there? You know, there's just things yeah. happening. Uh, and then Dumbo scares the shit out of him. Um, <laughs> and and the, the producer makes a nice. Uh, line. He says that you know the, the the best thing about it is that they'll work for peanuts, and he throws some peanuts out the window. Um, because there's loads of cameos, isn't there, from yeah. Disney and Looney Tunes? Yeah, they they did well to get them both involved. Usually, you'd only see one or the other these days. But well, I say these days, and unless you do uh, Ready Player One, where everyone was trying to scramble a scramble some one of their characters into it. But yeah, I don't think. I don't think anyone had ever seen Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse on the same screen at the same time. Maybe not. Until yeah. Time. And Daffy Duck and um, Donald Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then again, Eddie's walking through a lot, you know, and there's loads of tunes, things going on. One thing that I did like, which I picked up on the second time round, not the first time round, was that you've got the the sweeps, the brushes from Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and they've actually got the guy playing a proper saxophone, getting them to do their jobs and stuff, which was quite cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a hippo sits down and shoots a guy up in the air. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be allowed to do that now because it's fat shaming. No. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so Eddie's clearly not impressed with all this stuff. And then he hops on a tram with some little kids. Um, and the tram's been taken over by a company called Cloverleaf, which isn't really yeah. properly explained at that point. We just see the sign being replaced. Um, 
and which again wouldn't happen today necessarily. But the kids give Eddie a load of cigarettes, which is yeah. quite cool. Yeah, because he, he um, one of them's lagging behind, isn't it? So he directs, so he sort of he's running behind the, the red car they call it, don't they? And he lifts him up, and so he, they you can also get a free lift. But yeah, they pay him in the fags. Yeah, you're right. Something else you wouldn't see. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and so he goes to a bar and uh, he starts talking to like just the other pissheads that are there. And this is when you're introduced to Dolores, who isn't happy with him because she's lent him a load of money and uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't paid his bar bill back. And he's just like a he's a loser gumshoe, isn't he? He's yeah. he's a you he's know a he's just more interested in getting pissed. Yeah, he's like what if Paulie from Rocky still still sort of ran a private private investigator thing sort yeah just a washed up mug a pug wait <laughs> pug. a dog just a just a bum yeah just a bum washed up bum drunken bum yeah bum um a bum yeah and he needs to borrow a camera so uh he asked dolores for that <laughs> what kind of private investigator doesn't have a camera yeah he, he's <laughs> just a proper loser isn't he yeah so was he was he a sketch artist was that what he did he went somewhere and just drew what he saw and handed it in well, I get the impression that his brother, who we talk about, yeah. find out later on, was the more organised of the two. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he's, pour- he's pawned his stuff off, hasn't he? Basically, just to just to keep in the whiskey, essentially, or bourbon, yeah. whichever what it is. Um, and then, and one of the um, other customers starts giving a load of shit, and then he shows it. He's got quite a bit of a nasty side as well, you know, saying he doesn't work for tunes, and he puts an egg in this guy's mouth or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. He kicks the stool away, then then force feeds him an egg. I mean, fucking Nazi or what? Jesus. <laughs> Um, and then Dolores explains that a toon killed Eddie's brother, uh, dropped a piano in his head. Um, <laughs> Did I ever tell you I knew someone who uh, actually had a piano fall on their head? <laughs> no. Yeah, when I, was at, when I was at uni, I knew a bloke called Steve who um, he was like 20 and he already owned a house. And I was like, why? He worked in, he worked in like a, a storage place. And um, because of like an industrial accident, which they were culpable for, the, a piano fell on his head, which is why oh, he had a lisp Jesus. and a slight twitch. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> he got off lightly then, really. Yeah. But I just thought, you think that never happens in real life, but no, no, someone out there, unless he's dead. But if he's still there, yeah, pianos do fall on people's heads every now and then. Amazing. Um, and then, yeah, so Eddie goes to this club where Jessica's singing and cartoon gorilla opens up the door. He's like the bouncer. Um, and then you see Daffy Duck and Donald Duck doing this kind of dueling pianos bit. And it's a, this is a proper, you know, you've seen a little bit of it, but apparently this was like one of the most complicated things that they made in the film. There's just so much going on. It's, mm. it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You've got the, well, look, when he walks in, you've got the cartoon octopus being the bartender. And it's just background stuff. But in real life, that was like seven or eight puppeteers just like manipulating the objects that the octopus's tentacles were then drawn over later on. And it's just that's just background detail. It's crazy. Mm. And it is. They they described it as a bit like The Invisible Man, you know, which uh, I remember watching The Invisible Man, the black and white film when I was a kid and loving it. And and it is that thing, isn't it? You know, it's like something that's moving a real object but you can't see it, you know, yeah. when you watch the behind, you know, behind the scenes stuff, and it's it's really 
amazing to watch. Um, but obviously, you don't see any of that because you just see that this this octopus is is handing out drinks left, right, and centre to, to people. Um, and then Eddie meets this guy who's a bit of a comedian, whatever you want to call him, bit of a practical Wanker. joker. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's one way of describing him, um, because he squirts ink over Eddie's shirt, um, and then it disappears. And this is Marvin Acme, who yeah. owns Toontown. Yeah, and Acme, i.e. Acme everything, like in Roadrunner, ev- all of the weird gadgets, they're always Acme in all Looney Tunes yes. cartoons. Nice. Yeah, um, and he's got a hand buzzer, which he uses on Eddie, and Eddie's not particularly impressed. Um and then Betty Boop comes along and she's selling cigarettes because she's not doing so well anymore because she's black and white and yeah. she obviously doesn't fit in too well with the uh, you know the new colour uh, cartoons and, and all that sort of stuff because she's chatting to... I mean, the thing is, right, Eddie hates tunes, but he seems to have a little bit of a soft spot for Betty Boop, doesn't he? Yeah, well, that sort of, yeah, sort of points out then that he has got history with... He has got other history with tunes before one dropped a you know, piano on his brother's head because they, they know him or she, Betty knows him anyway. Um, but and it only just popped into my head. Now she's out of work because she's she's black and white, and no one wants black and white cartoons anymore. Does that mean somewhere out there there's an out of work black and white Mickey Mouse like from like Steamboat Willie days? Oh yeah. So there's a there's an old black and white Mickey Mouse who's just you know giving hand jobs for just for enough enough food to eat while Colour Mickey just lives the life of a king. <laughs> You know the weird thing is right. I've never watched a Betty Boop cartoon, no, but I she's one of those I've seen around. I've you know there's like even now you can still buy little statues and things of of figurines or whatever. Yeah. I've never. Maybe I should watch a cartoon because I've never understood the attraction of Betty Boop. She's no. just a whore. She's a cartoon <laughs> whore. <laughs> she, she's not built. I don't for get it. it. I mean, she's. Her cheeks could hold quite a lot of jizz, but her mouth's <laughs> tiny and on the bottom of her head. So she's all wrong for, for, for doing that line of work. Because her, her catchphrase is boop, boop, be doo, or whatever. I've just I've yeah. never got it. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Anyway, so then you're introduced. Cause, so you from the impression that you get is that Eddie has never seen jessica rabbit at least not in person anyway no because when she comes out he's just totally just like you know you can't you pick his flo- uh, jaw up off the floor couldn't you yeah well bet well betty shuts his mouth doesn't she because he said because he asks betty he's like she's married to roger rabbit and she's like yeah what a lucky girl yeah um, and then she does her song routine and you know all the men are drooling after her and marvin acme's loving it and she comes over and grabs his cheeks and and uh, i was thinking about that she grabs his cheeks pulls that uh tish like um hanky out of his pocket polishes his head and then throws it away mm-hmm. and it was only after i watched that documentary i thought hold on that was all done with what a fucking robot with wires how was that done yeah just that alone the cheek pull the hanky pull the polish and the throw away baffling it is, and then also because like she sits on um, Eddie's lap, and she uh, like goes to kiss him or whatever, and then puts pulls his hat down, like grabs his tie as well, and his tie yeah. gets tightened. How? It's amazing, it's like fucking know. witchcraft, isn't it? 
And I swear, you know, when she, you know, when, when she finishes, she grabs it and she gets real close to him and she's doing her last like ooh bit. I swear, someone actually does a proper cum sound in the background. <laughs> so anyway, what do you think of Jessica Rabbit? Because it's one of those things. Funnily enough, right, talking about rabbits, we went to Cadbury World the other week and the Cadbury's Caramel Rabbit was always a bit like, I don't know why. You know, really, as a kid watching the Cadbury's Caramel Rabbit, because it's a rabbit, but it's got like female kind of features, you know. Yeah. And just the slow way that she talks, um, it was kind of felt a little bit like, hmm. But I don't know <laughs> what... Watching Jessica Rabbit now, I mean, yeah, she's all boobs and hips and legs and stuff like that. But I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I, people went crazy for her, didn't they? They still do. Are you, are you saying you have whacked more wads off to an actual cartoon rabbit who sells chocolate? Mm, possibly. I think whenever I see, whenever I see the Cadbury's caramel rabbit, I always think, oh wow. <laughs> Is it because when she dribbles caramel over a little bunny mouth, you just think, oh, if only that wasn't caramel. <laughs> the other thing as well is that, uh, this is, I mean, this is explored later on in the film, is that, you know, people can't believe that Jessica is married to Roger because Roger's like a fucking idiot rabbit, isn't he? Yeah. And Jessica's just like this sex bomb. But she adores him, doesn't she? And uh, yeah. just... Even suggests that, you know, he's just basically shags all the time, which is what a rabbit yeah. does. Yeah, he must be one hell of a lover. You better believe it, Buster. Yeah. Uh, so then anyway, Acme goes into uh, Jessica's uh, room and Eddie then, he starts to sneak a peek through the, the keyhole, but he gets caught by the gorilla and gets thrown out, which again is a nice little practical effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I think he's right. He'd have been the where the gorilla threw him was actually a better viewpoint because he's trying to see what's going on. Well, he can just stand on a box and look through the window. Yeah, that's uh, true. Um, because then he starts taking photos, and you get to hear that Marvin wants to do something with Jessica, and you find out that it's playing patty cake. Well, there's a lot of innuendo at first, isn't it? Because she she says she doesn't want to. Um, he convinces her. And then she says, "All right, but can you take off the hand buzzer this time?" Yeah. So oh, she's I, got a she's got a headache, hasn't she? So yeah, she's not. So, up where's for that it, hand but... going? And then you just hear a load of like flesh slapping together. And it sounds like she's having an orgasm. Yes, because yeah. she's not really into it at first, but then she's like, "Oh, patty cake, patty cake, oh, you know." And it's like it is. It's proper. It's proper suggestive. Not something that. You know, a kid's Again, film. Yeah. Th- these days, maybe not quite as strong on the <laughs> on that, I think. Um, so anyway, back in Maroon's office and Roger's been shown the photos. He's crying um, and he takes a drink, which sends him through the roof and then he passes out. Um, and then he bursts through the window, leaving a silhouette of his body and shape yes. through the, the glass and the blinds. Uh, yeah. He just can't believe it, can he? You know, and, and again, no. there's lots of nice interaction between him and Eddie, and various other things going on. Yeah. Paper flying his nose. around. Yeah, and we actually find out that they were actually just playing patty cake, that kind of clappy hand thing. Yes, 
not shagging or anything like yeah. that. But that's the things, isn't it? Because like she, he feels as if like she's actually cheated on him by playing patty cake. He's like, not patty cake. <laughs> um. So anyway, then um. Uh, Roger's crying, uh, and Eddie's back in his office, and he's looking downbeat and reminiscing about the time with Dolores uh, and on the beat with his brother. And that they shared a desk. And his brother came across as a bit of like a Sherlock Holmes type because he'd got everything in the right place. You know, mm. he got a magnifying glass, he got a, a pipe, pipe, he got various other bits <laughs> and pieces. Yeah, you get all of the background, don't you, in, in this bit. You see that they've they worked tomb cases in the past, they got goofy off spy charges. Oh, I missed that. Like, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, it's like valiant and valiant, goofy cleared of spying. It was like, wow, goofy was up for spying, yeah. But it, yeah, it tells you all you need to know. The fact that when he gets through the door, it's valiant and valiant. So he's still living in you know the shadow of his brother. But they were a successful uh, private detective agency. They used to do a lot of work for Toons and were well known for standing up for Toons. And, and all that's gone. And then it turns, it, as it pans around, it sort of time accelerates, doesn't it? And then it's morning. And it turns up Eddie just basically got pissed at his desk and fell asleep. Yeah, it's a lovely shot. It is yeah. uh, the way it's done. You know, it's very cool. It says so much in such a short space of time, doesn't it? Pretty much without yeah. actually saying anything. Um, so then, yeah, the uh, he wakes up. A, a detective wakes him up and explains that Marvin Acme was killed. Um, and they they pull up and they, you actually this is the first time that you see Toontown. Sort of yeah. in the background over a wall because it, Ac- it Acme's looks building like a nightmare. It, looks it like does a fucking living nightmare. It's like you, you know you just, they've dropped just dropped like some LSD or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so and you oh, what's his name? Is it Foghorn Leghorn? No, it was a uh, Yosemite Sam. Ah, oh, right, okay, yeah. He gets booted over, or he's got his horses on fire or something. So they see him uh, come over into the the real world, shall we say? Um, and then you find out that a safe has been dropped on Acme's head, <laughs> which is quite gruesome, really, because you don't see the obviously you don't see it, but you see the corner of the safe, which is sticking out the ground, and they've drawn the um, the chalk lines yeah. around where his body was. Well, uh, when you see his corpse, and I, 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 I looked out for this, when you, you know when you do see Acme's corpse covered over in a sheet being wheeled away, it does seem like it's missing its head. Really, I miss that. Is is a very there's like a big belly up to the shoulders, and then it is suspiciously flat. Oh, that's awesome! What a great yeah. detail. I miss that. Um, so then you got these other detectives, and they're just fucking about messing around with um, Acme items. One of them's holding like an old pe- bit of stick of dynamite. Um, got like a hammer, which when he does something with it, it out shoots out like a spring-loaded boxing glove. Yeah. The good old fashioned hole in a box. Yes. The, like, How does portal. that stay in the box? I don't know. Good point. Um, picking holes. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then a load of shoes escape, and um, Acme drops something from his hand as he's being wheeled away, and, and Eddie goes to pick it up. Um, and then this is the first time you see Judge Doom, who stops yeah. him. Uh, and it turns <laughs> out it's a hand buzzer because he buzzes it on, um, on Doom's hand. Uh, played by Christopher Lloyd, and I must admit, I didn't really remember Christopher Lloyd's performance in this at all. I don't know if you did. 
I, I remember this performance. I didn't remember his prosthetic chin, his big yeah. bum chin. It's his teeth as well. His that teeth is, yeah. Real. Well, they aren't real, but they look just the same as every reality TV star's teeth do these days. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and the other thing as well is that, again, I didn't really notice this while I was watching it, but after I watched these documentaries, is that he never blinks, which I suppose, you know, now I know that. It, again, it's just a little thing that makes him seem a bit more intimidating. Yeah. And also, what I noticed was that he's... Um, it's not a cloak, but what, what he's wearing, it always seems to be like flowing. There's always like wind blowing up against it. Like it's 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 got its own um, movement or there's something about him that's not quite right. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does come across it. Well, once you know, but I mean, when I was nine, I didn't notice it. But yeah, there's, I mean, well, the fact he's called Judge Doom, you know, you know, there's something wrong with him, but you. I didn't guess when I first watched it that, that, you know, the eventual spoiler type thing. Yeah, no. Um, but they suspect that Roger killed Acme and the weasels are being used to find Roger and they burst into with a real car. Um, and um, yeah, just a bunch of weasels. Yeah, and Gangster weasel. You've got kind of Mediterranean lover gangster weasel, like greasy weasel, uh, mad weasel, stupid weasel. Um Oh, there might be another one. I think they're all supposed they are supposed to be sort of modelled on the Seven Dwarfs a little bit. That's what I read, um, but they I don't think they had time to to give them those names or no, whatever. I don't I don't remember Gangster Dwarf. <laughs> no. um, but so then Doom picks up one of these little shoes that have or a shoe which has come out of this box and it's it's almost like it's kind of like a cat isn't it or something it's rubbing yeah. up against his leg um and this is where doom demonstrates his utter bastardishness um and the fact that you can kill toons because yeah. it's, it's perceived that you can't kill a toon um but you can if you put it in the dip yeah dip and uh, so he does and he puts this like uh, little baby Shoe, squeaky cute shoe, yeah. Into it dip. in mouth first, so it can't open its mouth. So, for the last few seconds of its life, it's screaming, but it can't get the scream out. Mm. Um, yes, and uh, so then, but he puts a glove on, which is a bit of a telltale sign, potentially. Yeah. If you know, yeah. now you know, but he puts like a, a, a wrist. Uh, it go, well, he goes up to his elbow, doesn't it, this this yeah. glove? Um, and yeah, so then, I mean, even if you're a human, you wouldn't put your hand in it because it looks pretty fucking yeah. foul, foul doesn't it? Do you notice when he lifts it out, because obviously the, the, the shoe was red and yellow, and when he when he pulls his hand out, and obviously the shoe's dead, and he, he's got his glove covered all in red ink, so it looks like blood. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I know. And then, so Eddie goes back to his office and you see a a, a woman wearing a, a short, short shorts. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's uh, giving a, a cigar to a baby. Obviously, uh, Eddie's appalled by this, but then he discovers it's actually um, baby Herman. And uh, so, and he, she, he instructs the woman who's looking after him to go out and get something was it from something from the betting shop or something yeah like a betting slip or something yeah but he, a great line and uh he says oh you know i've got a 50 year old lust and a three year old dinky <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is cool 
Um, and he basically says, well, you know, Roger wouldn't kill Acme and Eddie's got to try and do something to, um, to, to, to find out that he's, it'll prove that he's innocent. Um, yeah. You find out that had... Acme's will, don't you then? Yes. Yes. Um, and that he's going to leave Toontown to the tunes. Um, and Eddie refuses and he goes into his office and he he's playing on his mind a little bit here. I think you can yeah. see that he's, he's a bit regretful of what he's doing because ultimately he's caused this because of him showing those photos to Roger. Yeah. It tries, tries to wash away his guilt with more, with more bourbon, mm-hmm. but uh, he puts the glass on one of the photos that he took of Jessica and Acme and lo and behold, that magnifies Acme's pocket. And in his pocket at the time was the last will and testament testament. Of Marvin Acme. Mm. So he knows that it's real. But he's still kind of like, oh, the hell with it. <laughs> and he's got, an am- yeah. he's got an amazing fold-out bed, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, you think he's a bit of a loser because his office is his home. But his fold-out bed is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like uh, a chest of, not chest of drawers, like uh, office drawers, isn't it? Yeah. But then he pulls them down and he actually reveals a bed. And he gets into bed and then... This whole, this is another one of those standout scenes. One of the scenes that I remember from the film when I was a kid is this whole performance between Hoskins and Roger Rabbit. And it's yeah. so practical and it's so clever. And it does feel pretty real. Like, you know, that he's actually interacting with a cartoon. Which, again, all credit to Bob Hoskins' performance. Because he's it's pretty amazing, you know. He, he sort of throws himself around this room and does all sorts, and then they get handcuffed together. And he explains that he he didn't kill Acme, and he actually wrote a love letter to his wife, but it was on a clean. He found a clean piece of paper. This is yeah. the thing. This is, there's always the little clues, isn't there? But you don't realise them at the time. Yeah, it's it's actually the, the film has told you exactly what's happened up to now if you put the clues together. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, it then explains that Valiant and Valiant used to help Toons and uh, it, um, Eddie gets a bit pissed off with him because he goes to sit in his, his brother's chair, which nobody sat in because you can see all the dust built, yeah. built up on it. I don't know why. Um, and, you know, when he pulls the chair out and he shouts at him and he slowly takes his hand up the back of the chair, but it obviously it leaves like the fingerprints in the dust as he drags his yeah. hand away. I don't know why I really like that. It is oh, very, yeah. cle- that, that very, very clever. Thing. Yeah. No, it is. It's very clever. It's, it's these little details, though, that really add up, don't they? Yeah. Um, and then, so the the uh, the weasels show up, and because at this point Roger has cuffed himself to Eddie, and he hasn't got a <laughs> yeah. key to. Um, and then you know Eddie, so that the the weasels come in, and Eddie's hiding Roger in some water in the sink, yeah. uh, which obviously he can't breathe very well. <laughs> So, and there's this whole scene. It's it is really clever because the weasels are holding real guns, and yeah, it's amazing. How they, they yeah, and and so they they're sort of talking to um, Eddie about where where Roger is, and Roger's popping up for air every now and then, spitting water out. There's got to be there must have been so much going on on those sets. Um, yeah. Because even that was a little pop-up spout, wasn't it? That that spat water out of the sink, and then they just drew Roger over it for when he when he's taking a breath. It's... Yeah, and the imagination for Faskins to be able to, I mean, you know, they, like I said, they they did it with a pretend like um, stuffed rabbit, so to speak, but then to actually act 
against it you know effectively nothing pretty, i mean uh charles fleischer he dressed up in a rabbit costume which is a bit <laughs> a bit weird <laughs> fucking weird <laughs> but in he acted out some of the scenes well all the scenes with um hoskins but for him to be dressed up in a rabbit's outfit is a little weird because bob wasn't looking at him at the time because he's looking at the not rabbit on set so this uh, fella's yeah. just dressed as a rabbit doing the lines. I mean, maybe yeah. it must have been for his own thing. <laughs> just weird. Yeah. And also, one of the things that, again, re-watching and and uh, is that they actually say, because they start laughing, the some of the other... Um, oh, some of the weasels, yeah, because he shoves soap, doesn't he? He puts soap in, uh, in one of them's mouth. And yes, sort of and it blows him. real bubbles and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they say, you know, oh, you'll one of these days you'll die laughing, um, which I didn't. You wouldn't. I didn't pick up on at all the first time around. Um, and then so they leave, and then Eddie takes Roger to the bar, and he hides him under the coat, and he goes looking for Dolores. Uh, another cracking line because he's hiding, and he's sort of like hot, he's because he's trying to shove him down from his chest, yeah. and then he pops up by his waist. Uh, you know, she says, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> Which is cool. Um, and then they go into the back room and Eddie starts storing the, the cuffs off. And again, it's cool because Roger, he he takes his hands out the cuffs to hold them. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he goes, obviously Eddie then notices and he goes, could you do that at any time? It's like, only when it was funny. And yeah. then, you know, it's it all I kicks off. I love that gag. I like the love the timing of it. It's just perfect. It is. Yeah, not at any time. Only when it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you little bastard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Jessica goes to um, Eddie's office and Roger's left Ooh. at the... Ooh, Go on. Sorry. In, previously, I didn't write it down, but they also make a prostate joke. Mm. Like, I can't remember what it was now. Yeah. <laughs> No, that was quite funny as well. I must admit, I didn't make a note of that one, but yeah, that was that was quite funny. Um, and then, so yeah, Rogers left at the the bar, and then Eddie goes back to his office, um, and he comes, and Jessica's there, and he comes out with he's got no top on. He's very hairy, isn't he, Bob Hoskins? Oh, he's a proper little proper little gorilla man, isn't he? You, you get that quite a lot. They're bald on top, but then the you know proper fur meisters everywhere else. <laughs> yeah um and so uh jessica's saying you know that roger didn't do it and uh you know she's got she's just really sexual isn't she i mean even when yeah. she's i guess trying not to be she's just you know bouncing her boobs off him and <laughs> yeah. well, he says doesn't he? he said it's hard for a man like me to deal with a woman who looks like you she says i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way oh yeah now, now is she talking like She's not bad looking, but she's drawn that way. Or she's not a bad person, but she's drawn that way. She's drawn like a femme fatale, but in a yeah, slightly I, red dress instead. It's like works yeah. both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then um, she's saying that Maroon used Eddie to um, to get these pictures so that he could blackmail Acme. Yeah. Um, and then sell Toontown because that's right. Someone had offered to buy the studio. But they they would only buy the studio if they if Toontown was sold as well. And Acme owns Toontown. Maroon owns the studio, so Maroon went to blackmail Acme into selling Toontown. So they both get bought by this mysterious buyer. Mm. Um, and then Dolores walks in on them, and he's because his trousers fall down exact exact moment. <laughs> yeah, because he hits <laughs> his head on her boobs, doesn't he? And his trousers then fall down. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and she blows a kiss, and it's an actual kiss which hits him on the cheek, which is awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then you find that it's Cloverleaf that want Toontown, and they'll yes. get it at midnight unless the will turns up. Um, and so then Roger, we go back to the bar. Roger's doing an act for all the patrons, like a song and dance act. Yeah. And then the weasels and, again, and the judge turn up. You don't. Re- I only realised when watching that documentary when it shows a bit of that song and dance that Roger's doing. The amount of physical interaction with everything. Yeah. As he's dancing up and down the bar, and that even when he just does a slide down the bar, and everything, everything skids along with his feet, and all of that was a bit of impressive. Yeah, ridiculous. It is, and the plates that you get, you, you see him smashing on his head. You know, is it... <laughs> the special plate breaking robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Um, and so, yeah, and then the the the, uh, it, the the judge wants Roger, and then the, like the, all the bar staff are taking all the bar staff, all the people at the bar are taking the piss out of him or whatever, and one in particular because um, they think that they're going to give him up, but yeah. they don't. Um, it's and that Angelo then, again, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the judge reminds the weasels because they start laughing that laughing will kill them one of these days. Um, and then uh, Doom tries to get Roger to come out by tapping. And, and Roger is because he's, he's hidden in this room. He's freaking out because, you know, he, uh, it's this song that they find irresistible. Shave and a haircut. Yeah. Which I think is something to do with the um, the, the Looney Tunes intro. Um, mm, I, I wondered I should have looked it up but it's it's that da, 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 da. You know, everyone that's knows it the knocking thing but I didn't know it's even a haircut yes um, and so he does and he bursts through the wall um, which again great practical effect and then Doom catches him brings out the dip um, and then Eddie gets Dolores to pour a drink for Roger, and this is because you you know what is coming, and he does, and he freaks out. Um, yeah. And they, well, he does, they the arg- does the argument thing like with a child first. He says, "Have a drink." Oh I yes, I you do, I don't, you do, I don't, you don't, I do, and then he you know, back and forth, and then just switch it around, and then he yeah, drinks it, and then he yeah, air horns in the air again and blows everything up. And yeah, Valiant kicks the shit out of a few weasels, boots the dip across the floor eventually when he saves Roger. And I've lost my place. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, they escape. is one of the weasels as well, sorry. Oh, does he? I missed yeah, that. He smashes a glass in his face. Uh... He can't hurt a tune. A tune? Tune. Yeah. Um, but they, so they escape and they use Benny the taxi to escape. Um, and then the love letter that he was all talking about pops out of Roger's pocket and Eddie takes it and puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so there's basically, this, I just wrote down car chase because... <laughs> yeah. They're being chased that's... by the weasels, the real police get involved and then they end up down an alleyway um, being chased in both directions from both sides of the alley and then he, he uh, Benny tells um, Eddie to pull a lever so he does, and it eventually, and uh, yeah, Benny's got um, extendable wheels, so they escape, and uh, the policemen crash into the weasels, and then um, yeah, that's the end of the car chase. Hmm, it's cool though. It's cool. Yeah. It's um, you know, because again, uh, looking at some of the the stills from like the before and after, because so like Bob Hoskins was in a, a tiny little kind of car. Um, and they drew all of that on top, you know, but all the animation, it, it's pretty amazing isn't it yeah 
Um, so then, you know, Eddie and Roger are hiding in a cinema, watching a goofy cartoon, and this is where you see uh, Eddie sort of break down a little bit and explain why he hates Toons, and that Toon killed his brother, and they never found the guy, but he just remembers he's got burning red eyes and high-pitched laugh. Um, and then I think Eddie's starting to warm to Roger a little bit. Um, yeah, I think Because he apologises so. for pulling his ears, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> in that very Bob Hoskins way. I'm sorry, I yanked your ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Dolores comes in, and they go to have a kiss. Um, but uh, then Roger's watching and says, "Oh, please don't, let, you know, let me interrupt," because um, of course he is. Uh, and then the, the the newsreel, as they're about to leave, a newsreel starts to play, and you find out this is about Cloverleaf, and he he finds out that the connection is with R.K. Maroon, and he's connected yep. to Cloverleaf. And he's starting to draw, you know, uh, the dots together. Um, and so they head to Maroon's to, to try and trick him that they have actually got the will. Um, and so he uh, Valiant orders Roger to stay by the car and hit, toot the horn if there's any trouble. But then he gets knocked out with a frying pan. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question I asked here is, if he can take being hit by anything you know over the head constantly and it doesn't hurt him then how did he get knocked out with a frying pan i think it's just cartoon physics isn't it there's certain things that always knock people out in cartoons and a frying pan on the head is one of them even if they they usually get that big sort of lump that comes up but they usually get knocked out by a frying pan don't know why just one of those things i was gonna say maybe it's because he didn't see it coming like it could be yeah but Anyway, um, and but you turn find out that it's actually Jessica who's knocked him out and thrown him in the trunk. Um, so you're still not too sure with her, are you? I think you know she, no. al- although she's sort of, you know, she is. I mean, like you said, she's the typical femme fatale. You know, is she a good person? Is she a bad person? We we still don't quite know at this point in oh, time. That's because we missed earlier when um, when Eddie uh, Christ is it when Eddie leaves the leaves his office. I don't know if you got Roger with him after Jessica was there. And Jessica's just lingering in a car in the background, watching what's going on. Uh, watching, yeah, yeah, listening, yeah, yeah. She's got quite a bit of a, a sort of like, you know, sinister. Not sinister. That's probably a bit too much. But you know, she's definitely up to something. Um, yeah. You know, but you're not quite sure what. Um, so anyway, Eddie sneaks up on Maroon, who's got a gun. So he's kind of expecting something to kick off, and. Um, then he pulls the, makes him pull the, the this thing which he pretends is a will. It turns out it's the love letter. Um, and then Eddie smacks Maroon, makes him talk, and then you find out this is it. Cloverleaf want to buy Maroon, but um, uh, not unless Acme sold Maroon is sold so that Maroon can try to blackmail him. That's yeah. pretty pretty much it. Um, and that's why he used Eddie to be able to get those photos. But then a gun emerges through at the window and shoots very Maroon. long barrel it's massive shoots yeah. him in the back shoots it twice and it yeah. takes a, a shot at eddie and then we find out this later on eddie or bob hoskins is really fucking agile for a little short fat dude isn't he <laughs> yeah, not bad <laughs> he, he goes to the window doesn't he and he sees jessica running off as well out, out of the window yes <clears throat> and he, he gives chase and um yeah, he, he, they well, he stops at the tunnel to Toontown, doesn't he? Because there's a tunnel that goes to Toontown, and he's he's chasing 
chasing Jessica and uh, in her car. And he gets the tunnel stops. He can't do it because he hasn't he hasn't been to Toontown since Theodore got sh- got pianoed. Mm. And um, Eddie and Teddy, of, I like that. Yeah, Eddie and Teddy. Yeah, and he has he has his little sort of epiphany and decides to you know think fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So he get <laughs> he gets out his you know for somebody who hates tunes in his car. He still carries his special old cartoon gun with its. Um, Racial stereotype bullets. Um, <laughs> they said they haven't seen him for, is it seven years or nine years or something? Mm. Or was it six years? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and he goes to take a celebratory drink from his, his bourbon and then decides to pour it instead. Throws the bottle in the air, fires one of the bullets at it, and it smashes the bottle. Little Indian bullet gets a giant axe out and smashes the bottle rather than just pinging through it like a bullet would. But uh, yeah. So Eddie's back. Eddie's it's valiant. cool. It's cool. Yeah. And then, like you said, he drives into Toontown, and it's just fucking madness, God, isn't it's a it? Nightmare. I like. I do like the fact that as you're going through the tunnel, <clears throat> as you're it, it, you're approaching, it's almost like a. Well, it's like the Looney Tune. Like it's a curtain, isn't it? Like you're entering some weird sort of stage, and it opens up. How you'd live there, or survive there, or work there, I've got no idea. It would drive <laughs> you mental. There's every. Everyone's singing a song. He's driving past fields. Everything's alive and bobbing up and down and singing and dancing. It's bizarre. And then all of a sudden he hits something and he's in the middle of a city because it's now city. Mm. And and it's just chaos. There's buildings that are alive that are asleep. I don't know how that... What happens if you go inside the building? Is it is it like blood and like lungs and stuff in it? I don't know. But there's buildings asleep. There's fires going off. There's people running around. There's noise, chaos. It's madness. Mm. Now... Again, not to be critical of it because I mean the effects are amazing, but I think this is probably where it doesn't hold up so well as the when the tunes are in the real world, so yeah. to speak. I think it's probably sort of on purpose that the tunes can fit in this world, but humans in Toontown just look well out of place. Yeah, because everything's flat, isn't it? And they, I know they animated the tunes to look more three D in this world, but when they're in their own place, they look a lot flatter. I don't know if that's a purposeful thing or is it meant to look like, you know, Bob Hoskins. I mean, how he was a private detective in Toontown, I don't know, because he kind of stands out a little. Mm, Yeah, there's no there's no other humans in there at all. Is there? And um, so then he thinks he sees Jessica in a building. So he goes into the building. Sexy silhouette. (laughs) And he gets into a lift. Is it droopy? Um, um, yes, the cartoons like Bellboy or whatever, um, and it, again they're all. Well, this was kind of pointed out when they went to the club and he went to see Jessica Rabbit because the the cartoons take everything literally, don't they? Yeah. Um, like when he <laughs> says "Scotch on the rocks" and he, I mean, ice, but they actually bring a scotch out and it's got a rock in it, you know. Yeah. Um, and things like that, you know, and and watch your step and going down or whatever and and then this was weird again i don't know if it made sense so when a human goes into toontown does it affect them in some way because he gets in this lift yeah and then so the lift shoots up yeah the the lift shoots yeah how does that work and i don't know i didn't quite get that it is um, weird cartoon logic on man and I, yeah, that stuck out a bit for me. That I was like, "Why is he a puddle? How's that worked?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
he goes to the door where he thinks he sees Jessica and the silhouette turns around and it's a really ugly woman. Yeah. <laughs> but no other way to describe her. Yeah. Um, Lena Hyena. Now, I don't, I, I'm assuming she only exists for this film. Yeah, I've not seen her anything else, I don't think. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, she's enamoured with him, chases after him, um, and then he opens the door. There's no floor, so he starts falling to the ground. Uh, or he, And then he grabs onto a pole, and Tweety Bird starts picking at his fingers. Uh, so he falls even more, and this is where you see Mick, Mickey and Bugs. Um, mm. And they talk to him about, you know, have you got a spare? And he says, yeah, and he turns out to be a spare tyre, not a spare parachute. Um and um yeah so then um one of the things that i really did like about this was again it must have an effect on the humans and the you know their characteristics or whatever or their phys- the physical aspect of them because he walks down an alley and you see his shadow and the shadow sneezes and it's it's quite cool isn't it yeah yeah the shadow's like a separate entity now all of a sudden yeah. Um, so then Jessica appears, goes to pulls a gun out. He thinks that he's going to get killed, but he actually, she actually shoots Judge Doom, who's now there. Drops his massive barreled gun, <laughs> making up for something. Um, and then Eddie shoots at Doom with his special bullets, and they go the wrong way. And he goes like, you know, they were dum dums. Um, and then Benny the taxi pulls up, and Jessica and Eddie start chasing after Doom. Uh, and this is where, again, you get me a bit more plot. Doom wants Toontown. Um, and then he kicks a barrel of dip onto the road, which melts Eddie's tyres. Yeah. Not Eddie, sorry, it, but Benny's tyres. Benny's, yeah. Does, does this mean Benny's permanently disfigured now? Because <laughs> no one draws the tunes. They just kind of exist, apparently. So his feet and essentially the, his equivalent of hands and feet are now melted. So how's he going to repair himself? Hmm. I don't know. Um, Benny. So, yeah. And then the weasels show up and take them to Acme um, and they frisk Jessica. This was a, this was great um, <laughs> because he puts his hand down at top, like looking for stuff or whatever. And then a bear trap you know, gets gets him on the hand and Ed, and Eddie goes, oh, nice booby trap. It's, yeah. it's really good. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really simple joke, but it works. Yeah. In the context of this, it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, because you know it's a fucking bear trap, and it traps the the weasel's arm. Um, so then Roger turns up and gets Benny. Now, where did Roger go at this point? Because he gets knocked out, but then he's in a real car, and he drives where he drives away from Toontown because he just gets a bit lost in this bit, doesn't he? Yeah, well, and then he just when, turns up. Yeah, when um, when uh, blah, 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 Jessica uh, saves Eddie, they go back to her car. And he's escaped from the car. So, yeah, why... Why? Did, obviously, so he didn't know it was Jessica. So why... Yeah, he's escaped and gone somewhere. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Mm. Don't quite work, but I'm, I'm fine with that, I think. Um, but then Do- uh, Doom unveils his dip machine, which is a big machine, like, tractor with a gun on it or whatever. <laughs> hose. <laughs> a hose, like a fire ho- hose. I was going to go and... Uh, going to go and water the garden with me gun. I mean, we dip. Yeah. Um, and then he, <laughs> he, he, so he wants to destroy um, Toontown and he explains his plan, which is to build a freeway. Yeah. Um, 
and that's and, it. He just wants and services. He essentially wants to yeah, because he's the he's the sole ben- benefactor of Clover Leaf Field, Clover Leaf, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. His plan. I mean, I suppose this is where you start thinking, what a weird plan to build a giant road, and then he gets really excited that essentially he wants to make some services on it where there's people can eat you know cheap, convenient food and fuel up with gas and whatnot and it's billboards as far as the eye can see. Hmm. <laughs> it is a bit of a strange plan, isn't it, yeah. really? Um, but he wants to rad- eradicate Toontown. And, and so, anyway, then Roger pops up out the sewer uh, because he's he fell into a toilet. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he, he's got a gun. This is a pretend gun? It's not a real gun. I think. I think it's a. a mm, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, don't know. I do like the way he bursts out, says his thing, does that floaty jump over to Jessica, say yes, I'll free you in a second. I just want to. Uh, was it? I just want to let out my sense of moral outrage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me. And and then he, they drop a load of bricks on him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So Doom ties Jessica and um Roger together, and aimed the dip hose gun at them um and at this point as well like dips kind of uh, dip doom is he slips on some eyeballs um and he holds his eye but you don't Ooh. quite Ooh. see that does jessica make a vibrator joke does she i think she says something is something along i didn't write it down i should have done when she's talking to roger because they're they're hung up in the air aren't they on that hook wrapped up and she says something like you're all the rabbit a lady could want Oh, did they I have rampant? I if that if that was yeah if that was going about a rampant rabbit maybe if that was a little uh, sneaky vibrator joke that was in there. I don't know if if ramp, rampant rabbits existed back then. I thought they were more recent or at least within the last twenty years. Perhaps I don't know. Um, but yeah. So then, at, because he slips over, then the the weasels are uh, laughing again and again. He makes this thing about you know you'll laugh yourself to death one of these days. But Eddie clicks at this now, and he, yeah. you know, and then he starts doing this song and dance act, doing backflips, yeah. all sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> um, a pogo stick. Yeah, he electrocutes himself as well. <laughs> on, on, he smashes his head on a light bulb, gets electrocuted. The weasels start going mental, and they start to one of them pegs it. Um, they all they all start to peg it, and then he does a great ball kick on one of them as well, smashes him in the testicles. Um, and they, yeah, they, because he, he's turned the, he switched the nozzle direction at this point, hasn't he, of the, of the squirt, of the dip, dip gun. So it's away from Roger and Jessica. And as the mad weasel dies and the, his ghost leaves his body, he flicks the switch again um, to, to change it back towards Roger and Jessica. And, um, but then Victor saves him again. Uh, but in the background, you've got Doom, who's sort of on some sort of, what, chain L- thing? Lift. The, yeah, it's a strange yeah. thing, isn't it? <laughs> Doom jumps in. Uh, Eddie get, grabs a sword because uh, it turns out Doom's got a sword in his cane, and Eddie grabs a singing sword, which is very Frank Sinatra-y. I think it is singing. It is Frank Frank Sinatra, yeah, singing yeah. A, a song. And uh, then he grabs a giant magnet to try and put Doom off with his sword and grab his sword. But to be honest, Eddie fucks it a little bit, and the magnet spins round and uh, traps Eddie to a uh, to a, like an oil drum. Mm. And at which point Doom thinks, obviously, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a sword. I could stab him and be done with it. No, instead, I'm going to get into a giant steamroller, 
and I'm just going to try and crush Eddie to death. And at the last minute, Eddie grabs a hole in a box and then uh, that makes a hole in the magnet so he can slip out, which is which is quite good. Yeah. And and so they have a big fight and uh, he gets some glue on his hands, Doom does, which and then he smacks the steamroller. He gets some glue on his foot. So he's now stuck to the the roller part of the steamroller and he gets run over, which it, this I think the mixture of the screaming... And and this is one of the things I did remember about this. He's actually quite scared me a little bit when I was younger. Because um, it's pretty horrible. I mean, you don't see much. But, you know, it's not like, I don't know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where you see the guy and he gets his... Um, his oh, his, um, his, his thing fo- caught in that rock crusher. Yeah, and then you see yeah. a little bit of blood or whatever. You don't see that. But I think it's just the noise he makes and the sort of like yeah. the screaming sound that he does. And then but when he's being crushed by a steamroller cannot be a pleasant way to go. No, but then he, and when he's it's, even after this, like he gets crushed and he's flattened, but then he's all like he's like a a, a sort of a okay, how can I describe him? He's a bit like a crisp, isn't he? He's all flattened, <laughs> <laughs> but, but then he's all sort of like flappy as well. Yeah, like like um. Oh, did you ever read that book when you're a kid called Was it Flat Stanley? No. Okay, I think it was about a kid who was flat and could post himself through letterboxes. Okay. Unless I'm making that up. Was that a garbage <laughs> pail kid? It was either a book, a garbage pail kid, or a figment of my imagination. Oh, well, either one. It's all good. Um, yeah, and then, so, then he gets up, and, like, they go, oh, he's a tune, you know. And then um, he goes over to uh, some air or gas or wherever it is, and he starts to inflate himself. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which is quite cool. I think yeah. it's quite a cool effect. Um, inflates himself so is... much that his eyes pop out and his hat his hat pops off. Yes. Uh, this is where you realise, or it's revealed, that he's the tune that killed Eddie's brother. Again, quite scary, I thought. Yeah. Um, because of his eyes, because of his hair, because of his the, his voice. Voice, yeah. It's pretty scary. And then he, he starts the dip machine up again, which is head, heading to Jessica and... I mean, Jessica and Roger are pretty redundant at this point. They just do it hanging there. They're not doing anything, yeah. are they? Um, and then he fights Eddie. He's got a uh, an anvil for an arm at one point. Then he's got a buzzsaw, which he goes to chop Eddie up with. Um, and then Eddie uses the hammer, uh, boxing glove thing, but he dodges it, but it shoots the dip thing, which covers him in dip. Yeah. Which, again, is pretty horrible because... It's a bit Wizard of Oz it. Oh, Wizard very. of Oz. Oh, fuck me. Wizard of Ozis. Ozzy. Other there. I'm having a fucking stroke. It's a bit Wizard of Oz ish. But because he goes, I'm melting, I'm melting. But I think it's just the, he's laughing about it. And he's, it's pretty, t- I think it's terrifying. It's horrible. Um, so anyway, Eddie saves Roger and Jessica, and the machine then gets smashes into the wall, uh, which is connecting Toontown, and then gets smashed up by a train. By a train. Now, there's going to be some residual dip in that, isn't there? So that's going to cause a little bit of damage to that train, I'm thinking. You'd think so, yeah. Um, and then Eddie washes away all the dip, the cops turn up, and you see Doom, who's all melted. And similarly to the... Um, the shoe that he melted it's like these colors are still there which does look yeah. a little bit bloody and yellowy and nasty and horrible yeah. and because it's like a mask isn't it like he's... yeah so you never find out what or who doom was hmm. 
because all the all the tunes start pouring from Tombtown, and then they 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 saying, oh, "I wonder, I wonder who he was," and they're all saying, "You know, Goofy's like, wasn't a dog, you know, or a wooden boy, or or whoever whoever said it." There, you know, so that. They're all speculating on what Doom may have been, but we never find out. No, but then Sylvester says, he sure wasn't a pussy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking hell. Brilliant. Uh, um, and then Eddie figures out that the will is written on the love letter because the invisible ink. Um, oh, yeah, because it's reappeared on his shirt, hasn't it? Reappears. Uh, Which means Acme was a twat. Yeah, he just he's, sprayed he's playing him. these pranks. You think, I'm going to punch you in the face, you old wanker. Mm. He's like, no, 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 it's disappearing. Like, oh, I'll let you get away with it. And then the next day it comes back again. He'd have hundreds of people scouring the city for him just to knock him out. Mm. Um, and so then they uh, find out that the tunes have got Toontown back. Um, Roger shocks Eddie, which everyone thinks that Eddie's going to punch out Roger or whatever or do something. But Eddie kisses him. They all sing a lovely song, which is as bad as the song at the end of Cannonball Run. Um, and Porky Pig says, that's all, folks. And Indeed. That, that's it. Um, yeah, and that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So, what did you think? Did it live up to your memories, or what What are your thoughts on it? Right. No, flat out, I just, I just really enjoyed it. Um, even outside the technical side of things, it's a pretty simple film, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of proper film noir elements of it, which which fit, you know, all of the... Oh, sorry, I've got a cat tugging on my headphones. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, so all of, all of the genre staples are in there. It fits well. There's a you know, couple of nice little twists and turns. Um, the Doom thing obviously shocked me when I was little, but it's, it's all handled well. So... Even from the story it's telling to as the, the film itself, I enjoyed. I enjoyed quite a bit. And then if I add the technical stuff onto it, it's really weird because quite often, especially now, you watch films and at no point do I ever sit there thinking about how the film's made or I wonder how they did that because it's all just... You know, it's not just done in a computer. It's not quite that simple. I know that. But I'm still, even after watching like some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, I'm still watching this thinking, how the fuck did they do that? And there's mm. the, that little sense of wonder about the actual art of filmmaking on top of everything. And I thought, fuck me, they did this well. Um, but as the film itself, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But I'd be interested to know, I'd like to know what you thought, but I'd actually like to know what your kids thought, because it's... Very different to a film that you get now, obviously. Mm. So that's the thing. So I, um, I say I watched it with them. I should have done a little video review, or you know, added them to the podcast. But they, so I asked them afterwards, what did they think about it, and they said that they didn't like it. And I didn't really go into. Well, I asked them why, when they couldn't really yeah. give me any definitive answer as such. And the, so I was, I was asking my wife about it, and she said that she didn't think it was a kids' film, and I think that's possibly because it's kind of aimed at kids. But then watching the trailer, like the the voiceover man even goes, you know, it's a tale of sex, it's a tale of murder, <laughs> it's a tale, of, you know, and it's like thinking, yeah. well, this is aimed at children. Do you know what I mean? And, and so it's, it's not aimed at children now, though, is it? But children, no. like eight, us eighties kids, like I said, if you go back, if you go back to you know the films that we watched as children and they're very different 
very different to films now, what they used to put in there. You know, things like The Goonies, where you've got talk about frigging heroin and crack at the start being hidden in drawers and sex dungeons in the loft. That is clearly a kid's film. And people being threatened with guns and having their hands chopped off in a blender. But it was a film aimed at kids, and they just don't... That doesn't exist in the pantheon of children's films now, I think. What you could get away with then is is vastly different. And I think this this is a weird film because it straddles that kids' cartoon thing. But it all, although everything's wacky in it, it all it takes itself seriously at the same time within that world. Mm. So, yeah, it's an unusual thing. It, it, it Sorry, is. Sorry, I took, took it over for a second there. No, no, not at all. And so it is a strange one because... Um, they said that they didn't really like it. However, they then said that they went to a friend's house and watched it there. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, or how much they watched it, because Lucy's got the attention span of a fucking goldfish. <laughs> so, unless I actually physically make her, you know, sit her there to sit, sit down and watch it, she, I can't imagine that she would have watched it. Maybe she did, I don't know. So, they didn't particularly like it. Um... Whereas, like, when I sat them down and watched Gremlins with them, and we we sat down and watched the Monster Squad, believe it or not, I don't know if you've seen the Monster Squad yeah. before, or not for a long <laughs> yeah. time, but there's, I mean, the scene, the Monster Squad is quite short, it's only like 83 minutes anyway, but it's, um, and that, what you, to, to your point, what you the, you were just saying about <laughs> the language in here, you know, there's kids calling kids faggots, um, and then there's, you know, when the little girl calls them chicken shits and stuff like that, and like you said, yeah. you, you wouldn't get that in kids films today you know uh particularly no. um so anyway they didn't particularly get on with it now this is the thing from my point of view and i think i watched it and in my mind i think i i hold it in higher regard than you know in terms of this is it isn't it? it's like you know who framed roger rabbit it's classic isn't it but then why haven't i watched it more yeah and and that's Possibly, I'm not saying that I didn't like it then, I, but I did. But I think I probably did, I didn't get any of the story at all. I wouldn't have took in probably any of the story when I was younger. But I would have watched it for the effects and everything else, you know, the mixture of cartoons with real people and whatever. And I think I probably looked at it in two ways now. So the first time I watched it, I probably paid more attention to the story than I did obviously because I'm older and because I understood it more and I took it in. And it is, I say, an adult story. It's not like, you know, fucking LA Confidential or whatever. It's But it's that type <laughs> of thing, isn't it? It's like a, you know, it's yeah. a fil- film noir. And its themes are a bit more, I suppose, grown up to a certain degree than, I suppose, general kids' films or whatever. But still, it's not BM- BMX Bandits, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but at the same time, so the second time I watched it, I think I watched it on a more technical level. And so I've got time. I'm always kind of a bit torn as to what I think of it on a technical level. And I should have pointed out that this won three Oscars for, you know, various things, you know, for, for obviously the technical achievements and everything else, which is totally deserved. So on a technical level, it is, it's staggering what they did, you know, back then 
And I don't think that we'll ever see anything like this ever again. Like you said, it'll all be CG. The, you know, the, the, people aren't going to spend fucking years hand-drawing cartoons to interact with, you know, humans or whatever. No. So, so I think on a technical level, it is absolutely staggering. On a film level, I enjoyed it, but it didn't blow me away, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, no, it's probably not agree. I, I enjoyed it, and I'm, you know... Is it a classic film? Probably not. But am I incredibly pleased that it exists? Yes. You know, is this going to be one that I'd watch again and again? No. But it's, it occupies a weird space in my head where I can appreciate it probably more than as a film it deserves. If that may, I mean, as a film story that it probably deserves. But I still say it's, it's an amazing film. But... Not yeah, not for the film reasons. More, it is more about the you know what it took to get this thing to exist. I think. Yeah, it it is pretty incredible. I mean, like you know, there's no denying that at all. Um, so yeah, um, I, again, I was when I was rating it out of five on Letterboxd, and this is kind of where I was. Might you know if you can see this? I mean, people might be thinking about this. This is like, oh, you know, you frame Roger Rabbit is a classic, and you're you're an idiot, and that's fair enough. But I gave it three three and a half out of five, and I don't. That's kind of like I said. I I enjoyed it on one level, but then it didn't blow me away. If that if you know what I mean, yeah. does that make me a bad person? Sorry. No, cause, no, because I, I I get what you mean. Do I did I enjoy it? Yes. Do I like it now? Yes. I couldn't call it like a, it's really hard. It's really hard. You know, I can't call it a classic, but at the same time, I can. But not because of not because of the story and characters. But it's a classic because of its of it essentially, as much as anything. Mm. It's a real, it's a real tough one. If you're gonna, yeah, if you, if you're gonna pick it, if you're gonna say, oh, but is it in the top ten noirs of all time? Well, of course it's not. Is it in the in the top ten animated films for characters and plot? No, but it it, it just has its. It, like I said, it's a one of a kind film, and it almost occupies its own thing. You know, I can't I can't find anything to compare it to, which either isn't just. You know, you get stuff like Space Jam and that, which is just about making really loud noises and being wacky. This isn't just that. I can't find another. You've either really got this or Cool World, which I haven't seen. No. Which are sort of, but then even then, Cool World's more adult orientated. So this sort of this occupies its own little one film niche, I think, as much as anything. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't rely on the songs of like uh, Mary Poppins or you know polishing knobs like bed knobs and broomstick <laughs> it, it's just it's like on it's i can't i could be completely wrong but i can't think of another thing which occupies the same space as this so it's you it's uniqueness i think edges it up there but i would never say it's in my top 50 probably to be fair yeah near it. so there you go overall enjoyed it um I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. So, and I'm glad I rewatched it. Definitely, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, we've we've seen far worse. Absolutely. Now, 
you can probably tell I'm buying for time a little bit because like I said, I haven't picked a film for us to, to watch yet. So I'm just going to, um, I'm going to, don't do this. Oh, you've got to pick a year, 1986 or 1982. Make a choice. Well, can't I do that? <laughs> right. This last time, right. Next time it's your choice. You've got to make a choice because I say so, but okay. It's, I'll give you. I'll give you year options this one last time. If you start, it's it's difficult because I must admit it's like when I look at the lists and I think, you know, it's a bit like a kid in a candy store, isn't it? You know, I don't know what to go with. There's because there's so many films that we could sit and talk about. So I am a little bit torn on on it. Um, okay, we'll do one this time. If you've got, how many have you got a choice of? It's fucking loads. Oh, you oh three. No, I got three. Oh, three. Yeah, three. I think. All right, I'll pick one now, and then just 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 write number two and number three to your next three choices. Right. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Sorry. Wait, this is. Wait, you got three films. All you need to tell me is three years. I don't know. No, no, that. But I'm. I, well, I say I've got three. I've only got two at the minute. So fuck it. Let's go with two. Right. So, first film then is from 1994. Ooh, okay. And the second film is from 1985. Now, one's serious, sort of, and one's wacky as fuck. So. I'll let you decide. Well, you won't decide because you won't know which one's which, but no, I'm sure you can guess. quite right. Uh, 1994. Hmm. How old's that? Oh, I don't know because I like an 80s film. But I've got a feeling that your 90s one might be a bit more left field. So, I'm so say 28 it's... Years is, um, it, it is the 1994 one. That's 28 years ago. Yeah. I don't know why I think your 1994 choice is going to be a bit more unusual. So I'm going to say 94. Okay, okay. No, no. Uh, so... Don't sound um, too disappointed. No, 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 no. Not at all. No, not at all. So I haven't seen this film for for many, many years, but um, I remember going to the cinema to watch it and being blown away by it. Uh, it came out in the same year as um, Pulp Fiction. Uh, so it? it's not Pulp Fiction. If I give you some people that it was that star in it and it was directed by um so here we go directed by luke besson in 94 yeah fifth element no no not that came later i think that was 97 um okay starring uh danny aiello Ooh. He, he recently passed away. Um, okay, uh, Gary Oldman. It's not not uh, Leon, is it? Oh God, that sounded really disappointing. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Is it, is it is it Leon? He is Leon. Yes. Okay. Also known well, as the, the professional. professional. Yeah. Which is a shit title. Um, it is a terrible title, isn't it? But um, oh, that's a yeah. different style of choice. It is. Well, it's one of those that I haven't seen it for a long time. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's going to, you know, be similar to The Crow, because that came out in 94 as well, mm-hmm. funnily enough. Um, I wasn't disappointed this... by your choice, by the way. I have very fond memories of this film. But again, I, I, I haven't seen this since I left uni, so it's a good, it's a good 20 years. 
Yeah. So, well, it was the same time as when we watched, or when, well, I don't know, actually, when, I can't remember when, when you watched The Crow. Did that Was the year that came out, or was that afterwards? Pretty, mm, just afterwards, but again, it's, it's, yeah, that's one I haven't seen in a long time as well. But yeah, no. Mm. So there you go. So a bit more growth. As I said, the, the other one was uh, a bit more wacky and left field, but um, definitely on the list, but still. So there you are. Next time... We'll be talking about uh, Lyon, which, um, as I said, haven't seen in a very long time. But remember having um, strong, fond memories of it. So be interesting to see whether it still stands up. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Righty-ho. Oh, no, we we did actually have a, a Twitter correspondence. Oh, we just, just, we? Had the, just had the one, yes. Um, which surprised me, actually, because we had more for Cannibal fucking run than we did this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you want to do it? Uh, can you find it? Uh, yes, I can find it. It's uh, the Twitter contributions from the Barkside at the Barkside shop. Um, and uh, the r- response is, is it normal that as a human female, I feel intimidated by Jessica Rabbit? I don't know. Yes. It's normal? Yeah. 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 Why not? I, I feel intimidated by Roger. Do you? Yeah. Because he can pleasure pleasure Jessica. <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> That's intimidating. He's yeah. a rabbit. Yeah, but so of course you're going to be intimidated by a, a rabbit in the bedroom. But the well, thing is, though, I mean, having watched rabbits fuck each other... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um they... It's like, yes, they do it a lot. But it's it's like they're o- it's over within seconds. You know what I mean? It's like, do you want quality or quantity? What's the what's the thing? Well, see, I haven't got that kind of inside knowledge. They do. They fuck each other constantly. But it is literally within two seconds, and they're done. But then they they jump like straight a back on. Drill. They, yeah, and then they jump straight back on. I mean, there's there's not much more in fun things to do in life than watch a couple of rabbits run around the garden. Two male rabbits, I should point out. You know, one of them fucking the other one in the face. Um. <laughs> well, if you were fucking something with teeth like that, you'd want to be done in a couple of seconds as well. <laughs> oh, God, dear me. Anyway, I miss those rabbits. Uh, anyway. Right. So, um, thank you very much for listening. If you want to find us, I'm at DastardlyJabby on Twitter. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Ape Mutterings. Very good. I like that. Uh, and I, if you go to the website, which is 60mw.co.uk, um, the, you'll find all the reviews, all the podcasts, everything else that's on there. And also, if you go to um, at 60mw podcast on Twitter, you will find all of the different giveaways and all the tweets and everything else that... Um, that pop up on there uh, all the good stuff so that's it um right thank you very much we will see you next time to talk about some some leon um leon. thank you very much that fully enough i think that was actually the title of um awol wasn't it i'm sure there was a title it was called leon so in some yeah, territories yeah. i think i think you're right i mean about 30 fucking names that film but i'm pretty it sure did. one of them was leon yeah cool all right so we will see you soon and uh oh coming up to halloween next month Ooh. 
That'll be so. fun. We'll have to mm. find a Halloween film to talk about. Not that that matters, because we talk about fucking horror films or any <laughs> any time of the year. <laughs> True. But uh, no, we will, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Bye.